0: my fellow Westorians, Welcome back to, well, welcome back to mm-hmm. us, to Welcome Back to History of Westeros. It's our Saturday live streams. We are establishing the last Saturday of the month as our Saturday target for each month. You might say, but Aziz, it's not the last Saturday of the month. And you're correct. It is not. We don't you know, always hit our targets. Yeah, sometimes we <laughs> miss by a whole week. No, actually, I'll be in New York next week for the Intelligent Speech Conference in Chelsea. So I'll be there for the dumb speech conference. <laughs> <laughs> so please, uh, if you're going to be in the New York area, come to the Intelligent Speech Conference. Say hello. There's lots of other cool podcasters there. But that's not the topic of today's podcast. We're talking about a lot of fun stuff. And usually, our, like I said, usually we're going to have this be on the last Saturday of the month. It'll always be at 2 o'clock, uh, whether it's actually the last Saturday or not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, Whether it's actually 2 o'clock or not.
0: <laughs> that's right, because actually I think we started about 2.05 or 2.06, so, you know, that's uh, technically speaking, we did not start at 2. Now, it's, it's funny because when we got news of this prequel show, which first started popping up about a year ago, we did an episode dedicated to the Age of Heroes, and it's been almost exactly a year. I wasn't sure how long ago we did that episode, and then I looked it up, I was like, oh, it was, about a year and about 2 weeks. It was 2017 when Martin made his post about potential. Um, right, and it was it was successor yeah, series. Yeah, you're totally I mean, right. That's when it was mentioned that there'd be four or five or something like yeah. that. And this was the one that emerged from that haze to be the first. And since then, you know, we talk a lot about the age of heroes from that perspective, just guessing what they might do. Since then, there's been a lot more Narrowing down of what the show's intent is. There's been casting, there's been production news, there's been a lot. Uh, there's still quite a lot we don't know. And surely there'll be quite a bit more coming out. But it's safe to say that after this year or more, you want to call it a year, uh, even more than a year since George first made this announcement, quite a lot has changed. We know a lot of things. So that's going to be a major focus today. We're also going to talk about a few other things. We're going to talk a little bit about Con of Thrones, we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about the Game of Thrones documentary by Janie Finley, that uh, a lot of us watched and enjoyed. And uh, that's going to be about it, besides questions y'all have and um, a little bit of banter here. We had a little bit of a, a misfire last night, huh, Sean? You, yes. um You were trying to do something visually pleasing for the audience. Someone looked up, someone remembered that you had made a promise a while back that we forgot about. Yeah, Sean. I, I, I remembered. Okay, yeah, oh, Sean remembered. said...
2: Okay. When we hit 2,000 live viewers, which he didn't think would happen for quite a while, Mm -hmm. he would dye his beard pink. And I was telling him that, you know, he doesn't have to dye the full thing pink. He has some, you know, some gray in his beard. And some of it would show up right there. Then it wouldn't all be pink. But unfortunately, I was not here last night. And he went ahead without me, which I was glad for. But as you can see, it's not very pink. I can personally see a tiny bit of a tone to it, though. But we're going to do better. I mean, it better. you
1: should have seen it last night. First of all, I'll tell you, the dye said pink. But when I put it in, it looked purple. It was purple. I mean, like on my fingers, it was purple. And it looked almost maroon. But it was like you could see it clearly. like my whole beard—not just like a little bit here. It was my beard was purple, my mustache, my ears, my (laughs) fingers, and my shirt. It was a mess. You
2: should have taken a picture.
1: I know. I one, my hands were kind of messy, and two, it was so rich. I just didn't (laughs) believe that it wasn't going to stick. I assumed when I rinsed it out that it might fade a little or turn pink instead of purple, but it just all—I couldn't believe it. I cannot believe it just completely all
0: came. Your beard out. just refuses to change. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in a way, it's the very manly of that beard. It so refuse <laughs> any alterations whatsoever. It's also true that the last time he tried to take a scissor to it, the scissors broke. Yeah, yeah. they just snapped they just in half. Broken scissors all over the house. Yeah, they just. Yeah, we've had um, a lot of barbers uh, quit in frustration. <laughs> they moved to other cities. And scissors eat, actually work,
1: but razors don't work.
0: Yeah, trim don't shave. <laughs> So, and of course, speaking of strange colored things, what the what is this this strange green object that you're putting in your mouth? This, this is pretty standard for me. This yeah, the, that's true. It's
1: the green machine <laughs> naked drink instead of the protein green one. Okay. Mixed with Mountain Dew. Standard, good old Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good old Mountain Dew. <laughs> they currently... So there's like a blue Mountain Dew voltage, a red, uh, code red, and white an whiteout Mountain Dew. And you currently have... Mixed all three of those into, uh, what is it? (laughs) Do S.A. Liberty Brew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just got the classic here. Well, that's uh, I guess that's not too weird compared to your normal beverages. It's (laughs) kind of in line. That's average weird, I suppose. (laughs) All right, so around uh, later in the episode, we're going to do a giveaway. Uh, We have um, uh, some of fun stuff to give away from Shire Post Mint. They're going to give a gift card to uh, one lucky winner here. And in general, you can go to ShirePostMint.com and get 15% off by using the code HISTORY. So for to be eligible for the giveaway, you just have to email history Giveaway at gmail.com and we'll draw one random winner uh, by the end of the episode. We'll also give away some leftover pink hair dye. <laughs> But it doesn't work very well. So. I can't keep my straight, so, sad face. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> and so we'll, our, we're also going to be having uh, every Tuesday, not every Tuesday, rather, the first Tuesday of every month, in addition to the last Saturday of every month, first Tuesday of every month is going to be a Fire and Blood stream. Well, it won't always be Fire and Blood, it just will be, the next one will be, and that's a pretty big topic that we haven't fully explored. So a lot of them will be Fire and Blood streams, but they won't all be that. We'll have occasionally other topics, occasionally have some guests, things like that. And of course, if you're not aware, uh, we are doing our Valar Rereadus project, going through all the books again. After having seen the show all the way through and reading Fire and Blood, it really pays to reread. And it's it's, it's going really well. Y'all are giving us a ton of uh, enthusiastic feedback. It's super... Um, I'm just having a blast just rereading the books in general, but discussing it with y'all is really fun. How's your reread going, Sean? My reread, your your read. <laughs> sorry, yes, your read, not re- your re-read. I've I've stagnated.
1: I I had a lot of things that were put on hold during the season that I've like gotten into since, and have I've I've read like maybe one more chapter. <laughs> still have not finished book two well I'll, I'll definitely have it done by the next stream I'll definitely have it done by Con of Thrones okay cool I might
0: have it done by the end of this week well that's good. the whole
1: series right
0: <laughs> the whole series yeah and of course the um, next the, all the almost all the uh, Valerita streams are Sunday at three Eastern so check us out on the next one and they're they're semi private because we don't want to have a million people asking questions we would never be able to get through all the episodes and all the chapters. So if, you're, if you want to be there, well, come to the Facebook group or come to Flick or join us on Patreon, and you can find easy access that way. Speaking of Con of Thrones, that's coming up really soon. Just a few things about that before we get into our main content. Um, unfortunately, John Bradley's not going to be there. That's a bummer. People were looking forward to having John Bradley photos with Gilly. Uh, Gilly is still going to be there as far as, far as we know. I'm
2: devastated that yeah. John Bradley isn't going to be there, it's I a have a real to bummer. say. And Braun is gonna be there. Ah, oh, Sean, he's just, <laughs> he's just, I just wanna shake my fist at you.
0: It just keeps happening. Braun just keeps popping up in place of things that a Shea wants. <laughs> so let me tell you that I, I do I,
2: wanna rule the reach, you're right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've said this before, that these cons are such exciting experiences that, I mean, we got to interview Sirio. Yeah, that was so on fun. On stage. Yeah. You know, that was such an exciting, fun moment. And like, I mean, that's like a highlight moment of my life, right? And I think that there were three other moments at that con that were equally as exciting and fun. And, uh, <clears throat> and so just I just want to throw it out there to whoever it is that needs to hear this. I will dye my beard pink if I can interview Jerome Flynn on stage.
0: So um, I wanted to go, go briefly through some of the panels we're on. Um, so I'll start with mine. And Ashaya's is going to pull up uh, hers and Sean's while I'm going through mine. Just real quick, because you guys a little strike there. I want to make sure you heard the,
1: the pledge that I made. What was the pledge you made? I'll dye my beard pink if I can interview Jerome Flynn on stage. <laughs>
0: oh, well, but you've already promised to dye your beard pink. <laughs> your beard and your hair. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, hmm, I don't know about that. You're promising like something a, you've already promised.
2: Did you put it on your mustache too, Sean? It looks I like I did do the did. mustache too, I think yeah. it gave you a general nice different tone. Yeah, but maybe. Would, anyways. There's a
0: little bit of difference there, yeah. Cool. Well, okay. So let's go real, real quickly through some of the Con of Thrones panels we're doing because these topics, some of these are going to be uh, recorded and broadcast to y'all later, even those of you who aren't going to be there. So, and some of these also are kind of building blocks towards few other episodes that we'll be doing in the future. So this is, this is pretty cool. The first one Shay and I are doing together is the Parallel Lives panel. Uh, you, you'll, a lot of y'all are familiar with our pa- Parallel Lives stuff and we're going to be introducing a few ones that we haven't talked about before and a few familiar ones for congoers who aren't familiar with that. Also going to be doing Fit to Sit, which is the best and worst rulers of Westeros. That was a, a brainchild of, of Steve Love, and it's going to be me and Steve and Michal Schick and Joanna Lannister and Rixian. By the way, I am wearing a Zanrixian shirt today. This is, of course, the North Remember shirt. It's available at her store, and I highly recommend checking it out. She's got a lot of cool shirts there. And there's a live podcast that we're doing, that's all three of us, and we might get to do that on the main stage. I forget if that's on the main stage again, but that's, a, that's, a, that's great fun. We uh, had a good turnout last year, and hopefully we'll have a good turnout this year as well. Uh, we're doing How to Govern Westeros with Indeep Geek as the moderator, and I'll be on that one with J.R. Rowley and Carol Brown. Uh, with Jen Snow, Joe Magician, and Food's daughter, I'm doing Rhaegar's Choice, A Song of Ice and Fire. With Ashea, I'm doing the Many Faced Azor which is a good example of one we're going to also have a video about. And we're going to also have a meet and greet there. That's a standard podcast and YouTubers. With Jim McGeehan, that's something like a lawyer. I'm doing Death of the Other, which is battle tactics against the others. That should be really fun. The show gave us a few clues on that, but there's a lot more we can go with and can predict and guess at. Tywin's Legacy is my last panel, and that's going to be with Wendy Weissman and, again, with Joanna Lanniston. Jo- Joanna Lannister. Mm-hmm. And none of us are big fans of Tywin's legacy, so you can kind of guess which direction that's going to go. <laughs> Maybe we should have brought someone on who was a, a fan of Tywin's legacy, but we didn't really want that. <laughs> uh, his legacy already has enough defenders. And like Sean said, hopefully we have an interview. So we'll see about that. So Sean, what about uh, uh, beyond the panels that have already been mentioned, what have, what have you got going for Con of uh, I,
1: I have several. I didn't have them in a document there. I should have gotten them in there, but uh, <laughs> um, let's see. I have Innocence Lost, The Children of Westeros. Ooh, good one. Um, again, the, the recording that we'll be doing. Um, and they have a series of panels at Journey's End, and there's like a dozen different ones for different characters. I'm doing one with Bran Stark, or for Bran Stark, not with Bran Stark. <laughs> I don't think. Maybe he'll show up. Oh, he, he's everywhere at once. Uh, you never know. And one for Jon Snow. Um, and then To Spoil or Not To Spoil, that's become a new element yeah. of modern society mm-hmm. that... People were trying to figure out how to deal with. That is a tough one. We've struggled
0: with that on this show.
1: Yeah. And in The Mountain and the Hound. Oh, good. About the game Brothers. Very cool. That's good. That's a good
0: list. And what about you, Sha? Uh, oh, wait. I oh, should yeah, also point more.
1: out there's the podcast meet and greet. But yeah. by the way... I'll have to, just the scheduling, there's some overlap in the scheduling, so I'll have to leave that one a little bit early to do the water dancing
0: with Milton. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, you got to learn how to sword fight properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's important.
2: Especially for Con of Thrones next, I mean, for Ice and Fire Con next year, yeah, where yeah. Sean always complete, competes in the melee.
0: That's so. true. You learn from Sirio to go fight in a melee at a different con. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's cross-con. Um, cross-con con training. <laughs> cross country. <laughs>
2: Uh, so my panels, I start off the con with a nice 10 a.m. panel on Friday morning, <laughs> last of their name, more like first of their name, first of the morning, ugh. but uh, it's all about obviously extinct houses mm-hmm. like House Gardner and House Whore and. You know, et cetera. I'm doing that with Joanna Lannister and Ham Fast. That's a good
0: history of Westeros topic, and those are good guests. Yeah, exactly. Co panelists.
2: I've frequently been on a lot of panels with Joanna Lannister, Lauren, and uh, good friends with her, and have gotten things signed with George R. R. Martin with her. We went up and asked questions together. She's, uh, if if you're not familiar with her, she's just great. Um, Then I'm on Queer Women of Ice and Fire, um, which is with Yoshi, uh, Melanie. And Archmaester, Ama. So that's like a bigger panel, four people on it. And uh, obviously, Aziz mentioned the many-faced Azore. Hi, that's good. just the two of us. Then I'm on the spinoff panel. That's on the main stage, you know, about what we could see in terms of the spinoffs. And that's with a bunch of other people, five other people. Luca Nieto, uh, David Rosenblatt, Dan Selke, Quinn from Ideas of Ice and Fire, and Lisa Sponeagle. Um, So some Watches on the Wall people. That'll be fun. I love talking about the spinoffs, uh, success- successor shows, and all that. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're actually—it's actually.
2: I don't know if we should met We should probably mention this while we're on this topic. At TitanCon this year, uh, we got added to the programming schedule. We're going to be on a panel on, you know, the potential successor shows with Elio and Linda from Yeah, monsters. we're
0: very or. excited about that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's very cool. We haven't mentioned that yet.
0: Yeah, that's true. We have completely uh, forgot to bring that, forgot to put that in this document Is something that's coming up in yeah. the future. Yeah that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, good good catch there.
2: Um, and then uh, we have, you know, our live recording and the Parallel Lives uh, one. So I'm on, I have seven events this weekend cool. unless we add, um, unless we add... I actually have one other engagement, though, in that I'm doing photographs for the Bunny Hutch party, oh. which is, you know, where girls and guys dress up like Playboy bunnies. I didn't even know there was a have... Bunny Hutch party yet. Yeah. Well, Thrones. you're not invited, Aziz. <laughs> no, it's open to all. But there's like a little photo shoot hour.
1: That's
0: cool.
2: Um, so I'm excited for that. That's a good time. They have it at Dragon Con. Yeah, that's um, that's what I remember. It from. So it's pretty cool that they're doing it at Con of Thrones this year. Cool. Anyways, uh, so that that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, so a lot of stuff. History of Westeros is is very well represented at Con of Thrones. You'll you can walk around and bump into one of us, or catch us at the panels, or catch us at the uh, parties and stuff in the evening. And uh, we're all friendly. Come say hi. So let's move on to a few things about the Game of Thrones documentary. That was really fun. Uh, you know, it wasn't exactly what I think a lot of people expected. It had less behind the scenes of the actors themselves, but that's fine, I didn't, that, that wasn't a problem for me. Uh, I think some people were disappointed by that, but I was pleasantly surprised by what was there instead. Uh, it was made mostly by uh, Jeannie Finley, and yeah, it, it focused more on the extras and the you know thing, behind the scenes stuff that doesn't involve the main cast, which uh, was nice, you know? And Game of Thrones has a story about not just the nobility, which focuses on the nobility, you also care about the plight of the common people. It was nice to see the the regular folk who were extras, and and uh, a lot of them are huge fans of the show. Not just enthusiastic to be, hey, I'm on HBO. they're, they're it's Game of Thrones. Like they love yeah. that it's not just a show that they're on. You know, HBO. They love that they're on Game of Thrones. What was your uh, what did you think of the documentary, Sean?
1: I, th- I thought it was fine. It was about what I did expect. I feel like. Uh I mean, it makes sense that people want to see more stuff about the actors. I yeah. mean, we get a lot of that we already. We do get a lot of that already. And filmmaking is a collaborative effort, yes. right? So there's a lot of effort beyond these actors that that are going into this to make these actors look good. And it's neat to see all that effort. I constantly think about that when I'm watching a show. I'm like, what it took to get that dress together. What it took to get all those soldiers on this shot. How cold it is out there when they're yeah. standing around waiting for the action. You know what I mean? There's a lot of work. For, I mean, it's hours. There's, it's got to be like, Every minute you watch of our podcast is like ten minutes of work that goes into that one minute. And it's gotta be ten times as much for a show like Game of Thrones, you know, when an hour-long episode must have weeks of effort going into it, you know? Yeah, it really must. And by scores of people. And you you can
0: and that that's a this it's good that we're talking about this now while we're talking while we're going to talk about the prequel show as well, because that's what we have. We don't have obviously we don't have like who these characters are, for the most part, isn't we don't know yet. We have a lot of actors, and we have a lot of sets, but we don't have like character names, we don't have writing. I've got this script, we have... I'm just not
1: supposed to say anything about it.
0: <laughs> but it's it, it's like what you're saying. There's so many people involved in just making these things before that can stuff can even happen. They're building sets, they're building yeah. costumes. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the costume design is amazing. And you know, we'll get into this more later, but they have some of the same people doing some of this back end stuff. They don't have the same people doing the writing and other stuff, which a lot of people are kind of like, whew. <laughs> but the fact they have the same people doing some of the costumes, that's like a, that's two thumbs up, right? I mean, because that stuff, people never seem to complain about that. It's all praise for the costumes for the most part. Uh, so that's really good. But we'll get into more of that later. Yeah. Um, but as far as the documentary goes, you see a lot of that behind the scenes. Two of the main characters, let's say quote-unquote main characters of this of this documentary were someone we kind of know about, Vladimir Furtick, because he's the Night King. He's the actor who plays Night King, but he also is the actor that played Arthur Dane, this two, fighting with two swords, not speaking. He's also the stunt coordinator he's for stunt the show, coordinator, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's it's a like Hollywood a segue, yeah. guy. Yeah, he's just a, he's like, just realized this guy had a lot to do with making Game of Thrones great, like just single-handedly. Even though so many other people did stuff. Two-handedly. Two-handedly. <laughs> two-handedly. Two swords. Yeah, two-handedly. And just he and his enthusiasm was really fun too. Like that guy was just like. Wait a minute. Arthur Dane is the Night King. <laughs> Day, night. It's <laughs> all a trick. <laughs> oh my goodness. And the so his enthusiasm was really nice to see. Like it's this guy in the behind the scenes, constantly behind the scenes, and just telling him about talking, him talking about his life was really neat. How he was almost like, he was like, go on this traveling show. Or join this gang. And he was like, "Like, wow, yeah, like I never had that choice. I'm so, <laughs> so glad I didn't have to face that choice, but great dude, right? Like, we yeah, yeah. have a lot of respect for that guy. And of course, um, I appreciated
1: his his moment of perplexity when he's getting a script. He's like, the little girl kills the Night King? Oh goodness. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was just, everyone was perplexed by that. <laughs> and uh, just seeing like undead behind the scenes, like a, t- a tent full of dudes who were dressed up as whites and zombies and just like... Drinking coffee. Yeah, drinking <laughs> coffee. One of them's like sitting there playing licks on his electric guitar. Two of them are playing chess. <laughs> and uh, and Andrew uh, McClay is the, the, the star extra, you could say. There were some other ones who were featured, but he was the one who got the most screen time, the most talkative, the most outgoing, the most exuberant. And...
2: It's a good strategy to like focus in on one, you know, accessible you know, character. Yeah.
0: So you yeah, know it adds a little permission. drama to yeah. yeah.
2: And you you start to connect to that person versus like, here's two minutes with them and them and them, you know, That's like a bunch point. of talking heads. And
0: a great person to connect with too. Like you couldn't have, I doubt they could have chosen a better yeah. ambassador. Yeah. To, yeah. For this you know, documentary. It's
2: hilarious that they, I mean, obviously they made the documentary before people were like, wow, this guy has just been all over the place. <laughs> but like those memes were going around. I you know, call them memes, but they were just like a collection. The, you know the unnamed soldier. So
0: many people got such a kick, including myself, including all of us, I think, ahead of learning that this one guy had been in all these battles of every season. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. wow, this guy's been around. And he's probably, he might pop up in the prequel show because here's one of the things we learned pretty recently, not a big surprise, but major parts of the filming of this show are in Belfast. Again, so... Boom, he could be <laughs> Aberdale Strongbeard could get right back in there. <laughs> <laughs> he strong made up beards, his own name and yeah. background. So Strongbeards are an
2: ancient, ancient house. Very, <laughs> yes,
0: they, <laughs> they used to be the weak beards, but they, <laughs> they over time, they, you know, growing strong. Yeah. The Tyrells stole that. Well, I
2: think they married name. into House Strong. <laughs> <It>
0: <laughs> <killed> <laughs> them out. Yeah. House Beard and House Strong <laughs> yeah. married together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where it landed. But tying all this together, if we can here, Mischief Management has volunteered to pay for one of the three guys in the uh, Wolf and the Crows collective there, and the fandom is, is gathered together to try to pay to bring the other two to Khan of Thrones. And there's a GoFundMe. And we would like to uh, shout that GoFundMe out. I think it's... I'm not sure if Ashay prepared a slide or not, but we have the... Descri- the uh, link is in the description.
2: Uh, we did, yeah, we didn't need to uh, slide, but the link is in the description. They're yeah. at, you know, 3,700 uh, out of 7,500. So about halfway oh, there. In yeah.
0: so seven days, exactly there's, yes.
2: there's some time, yeah. plenty of time. So, 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 so if
0: y'all feel like uh, donating, maybe don't donate to us today, uh, but donate to that instead. Yeah. And... Um, help those guys come because we would love, they're super fans. I would love to meet them. It's a little bit selfish on yeah. my part. I want to meet them too. We <laughs> got uh, to meet them at Denver Comic Con.
2: We might have a chance to meet Andrew McClay because in August when we go to Belfast, he oh, does yeah. Belfast coach tours there. That's
0: right. That was, oh. what a great way to end the documentary showing that this guy is still, he's giving tours. He's helping give tours to people who come, for fans who come to see all the, the, the sets. And of course... <laughs> He's super enthusiastic about it. like, yeah, I want that guy to be my tour guide. Hell yeah. Every day. So I, uh, we're always, tr- we always try to be supportive of people who are, you know, part of the community as much as we can. And this would, I think a lot of people would get a kick out of getting to meet these guys. And of course they would be, I feel like they're, this is some amazing journey for them. They had no idea this would happen probably.
1: I think they'll get a kick out of Con of Thrones. I oh, think they'll yeah. be blown away. I mean, all the fans, cosplay right? and all the panels. Yeah, I think they I think they are going to love it. I yeah. think they will want to come back every year. They're going to be
0: pumping it up. Yeah, I hope so, too. So, please, y'all, support them if you feel like it. And uh, if you're coming to the con, especially, I hope you can do that. Because then you get a chance to meet them, too. But that is all we have for the announcements. And unless you had something else you wanted to say about the documentary, either of y'all, we can um, get into the prequel show stuff. So... The name is, it's being called Blood Moon, but that's not the real name of the show. It's a working title. They don't have a real title yet. It's, I believe it was, I read in Watchers on the Wall, who are going to shout out Watchers on the Wall several times in this episode because they've done a lot of work on gathering data for this. But we did a lot of our own work on gathering data about this show. Uh, And hopefully y'all are going to learn a lot from what we've gathered. And what we've gathered from Watchers on the Wall is substantial as well. One of them pointed out, I forget which one of them was, pointed out that Return of the Jedi was called Blue Harvest for a long time until they decided on Return of the Jedi. It was called Revenge of the Jedi at first, if you recall back in the day. Am I thinking of the wrong Star Wars movie? I might be. doesn't matter. The point is, code names or working titles are a common enough thing. Blood Moon's kind of a neat title, but we shouldn't read too much into it because it's probably not the real title. It's probably
1: actually Saliva Sun or something like <laughs> For that. For
2: example, though, like Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi was originally called Space Bear.
0: Space Bear. You <laughs> should have yeah. called it Space Bear. That's really cool. Is that B-E-A-R or B-A-R-E?
2: <laughs> like I like the animal bear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Space Bear. Yeah, I like Space Bear. That's really cool. So speaking of uh, before, actually, I did miss one thing before uh, we get too deep into this.
2: Oh, wait, hold on. I just want to say one more. My other yeah. favorite Star Wars one solo was Red Cup.
0: Red Cup? Oh, Solo Cup, of course.
2: (laughs) So I like that.
0: That is pretty cool. Of course, they just ended up calling it Solo, which is like, they could have thought of that right away. (laughs) That's one of those like, (laughs) we'll call it Solo unless we, I don't want to call it Solo unless we think of a better title, but they never thought of a better title. So (laughs) they were like, yeah, Solo. We'll go with Solo. (laughs) Couple of shout outs from patrons who make the show possible before we get deep into our prequel show coverage here. Thanks to our Jeff, too. Je- our Jeff Gnarly? He's our Jeff Gnarly. <laughs> He's our first sword. History of Westeros' first sword. Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper. First in battle. First in bravery. And, of course, our dragon rider patrons. We have Lord Mark of House Joseph, the Snow and Winterfell, rider of Maslow the white dragon with green scales, horns, wings, and talons. Telanes the Talon, king of Gagasos, rider of Talarius, a red dragon with scales, horns, and talons of midnight black. Robert Fourth of House... Uh, house? Horse? Horse Ardeacor. No, House Arde... Horse Ardeacor sounds cool, too, but... <laughs> That's not accurate. It's House Ardeokor, burned king of Blazewater Bay, writer of Atroxus, a black dragon with bioluminescent spots like smoldering embers and a banded blue tail. He's a fearsome black and blue beast. Uh, right. So, yes. Prequel show. We have uh, probably it's going to debut late 2020, early 2021. I wonder if they kind of want to slot it back into that April time frame that uh, most of regular Game of Thrones was in. I don't know if that's a time, uh, like a spot that they think has particular value, like it's the time of year that is really good for a show that they think is important. You know, there's different things in the movie and TV business that we're not fully aware of, like certain months are stronger than others. Like January is a really weak, weak month in the cinema business. I only learned that because a the theater around here played Game of Thrones, uh, the uh, the battle at the wall at a movie theater. And we went to, I was like, wow, this is cool. But why are they doing this? I'm like, well, this is the slow time of year for Nothing movies, so we're, we're going to put Game of Thrones on. We're like, well, that's good for us. So you, you are someone who knows a, a good bit of things about the filming industry and things like that, something you kind of pay attention to. And this, is, um, this timeline's a little bit aggressive for this show. You know, it's not quick for, in terms of, like, real life. Like, from Game of Thrones, the original show, from its inception to its being filmed, was, like, five years. This is more like two, two and a half. Now, part of that's because the success of Game of Thrones are like, wow, we got to strike while the iron's hot. But still, they can fast. more immediately
1: invest a lot of
0: money. Yeah, you know? they're, they're, they have a lot more expectation of success. Yeah. The kind of the road is paved already. But what, is that, what does this timeline say to you? It, does it seem kind of aggressive to you? Or does it seem like right in line? Or any comments at all on that?
1: I think it's right in line. But I know a little bit less about the nature of initial setup. Does that make sense? But if you just yeah. think about it, most shows have a season a year. It takes about a year to get a season
0: together, you know? That's so. true. Especially because they have to do this pilot, and then they actually have to get approved. And yeah, like, I can
2: think about, like, Watchmen, for example. That's not out yet. Yeah. But we have a friend who worked on it, like, the pilot for it, like, a while ago.
1: Yeah. That's uh-huh. a good point, too. Like, many months ago, and it still hasn't out yet. Yeah. So it's probably
0: example. partly, how the you know, how fast they want to get it out. if they have an, If they want to be aggressive with getting it out because of marketing or because... They want to cap, latch on to the success of Game of Thrones before that fades too much. These things all make sense. Watchmen's obviously not—it's a good example, but it's also not a great example because it's a known property already. It's not a new show. You know what I mean? Which Neither is, of, is Which Blood is one
2: Man. of the reasons I thought of it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, that is a good example. Yeah, so that's that's one that's even slower, but also well known, but also not as popular. But they're they're certainly banking on it being popular now because HBO lost Veep and Game of Thrones, two of their biggest biggest shows, and yeah. they're really trying to. Get some new stuff going to recapture the magic, so to speak. Now, speaking of magic, that's a big thing we're expecting in the show. That (coughs) it was maybe taken out of the TV show or Game of Thrones proper initially. Like some of the magical elements of Game of Thrones were not put into put on screen. You know, there's a lot of like that's if you were to take kind of divide. The, the genres within a Game of Thrones, politics, intrigue, war, you know, character conflict, magic. Magic was one of the ones that was yeah, minimized the most out of all those, probably. Um, maybe not the most, but a lot. Like the Children of the Forest weren't super explained. The Origin of the Others, eh, we didn't get too deep into that. Dragons, the Mystery of Dragons wasn't delved into a lot. You know, like the relore, the gods. There's a lot of this stuff that was tantalizing that we constantly throughout our coverage were asking about, but we didn't really get a lot of answers on. This show is our chance to get some of that, maybe.
1: You can maybe, a slightly better term might be mystical elements yeah, of the better. show. That's Fantastic better, Fantastic yeah. elements of the show, which would include magic, but, um, and, and it's not like they didn't have any of it, but they didn't get too deep with it. And and honestly, I kind of like it that way. I yeah. think when you start trying to explain midichlorians or whatever, you take some of the magic away and you start... Creating more opportunities for people to pick apart the logic or consistency behind it, and uh, yeah. I, I have a harder time relating to characters in a world where they can just conjure up magical things than when they have to deal with real-world issues. Like me, you know, like
0: having like magic has a cost. That's that's something that George R. Martin is is yeah. has made an important part of of his world. Is that magic is not expensive, but it it has a high human cost or high, it just. Whether it requires blood or sacrifice, or it steals your life for, it. like Stannis in the book, Stannis aged because of the seemed to have aged because of the Shadow Babies, mm-hmm. and and then Mel remember Melisandre's like, "Nah, I can't do another one. You're too weak. It'll kill you." Yeah, it's like she That's to have, the kind of costs she needs right? to have blood
1: from uh, you know a royal bloodline. Yeah, there are. Whereas
2: where in the show, when they don't tell you that you're just like well why doesn't he just do it again yeah (laughs) like people ask that question i remember at the time and i was like well
1: i wonder what the cost to aria is for putting on a fake face yeah yeah exactly like these things for for aria she loses some of her identity that's part of
2: of the idea yeah
0: and then that was that was kind of a little bit of that was lost on Game of Thrones proper as well. And we have to see how that's going to go in the books because Arya is still in Braavos in the books at this point. So we don't know. But George has made that pretty clear. Part of her arc is her identity and whether she keeps it or loses it or some combination of both, loses it and then gets it back, what, what, what have you.
1: I'm sure that's part of why they decided on this particular setting too. Like, even as I say... I'd rather there be less magic. I'd rather it be kind of this background mysterious thing that rears its head every now and then rather than this constant in-your-face central focus. But I'm, I'm sure it's going to be more, more popular when you have more fantastic stuff going on. Yeah. And I'm sure that's part of why they didn't choose Robert Sebelian as a spin yes. right? Because yes. that would have... I felt like that was a good choice because you get to connect all these characters and these houses, this time frame that we know about. But also... There's no dragons in Robert's Rebellion. And, there's no wizards in Robert's yeah. Rebellion. You know? and, there's,
0: and everyone knows what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, plus there's the story is already m- There's not enough yeah, mysteries. Yeah, I think that's the part. Of, I
0: think that was the big, big bugaboo for Robert's Rebellion. It's, it's just not enough surprises for them to do. And they love to do surprises. They love surprises. Yeah. Um, I think
2: you should work bugaboo into every episode. I've never heard <laughs> you say that word in <laughs> my life.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that slipped out. I don't use that word regularly, but it got in there. Um, and so that's something that there were, that, which is a good question, right? Like, what, if we're HBO, if we're trying to put ourselves in the shoes of HBO, what made Game of Thrones successful that they're trying to recapture? And I think one of the things that made it successful, there's a lot of things, you can't just narrow it down to one or two, there's a ton of things, but one of them was, and this is really hard to recapture, is that people would talk about it every Monday. It was a big social event, Um, and that's, like you said, if you give away a lot of the magic, nothing to talk about you know how it works but if there's that mystery it's a great thing to talk about people were like oh it could be this you get you get theories it just makes the wheels turn in your head but if you know the answers you're just like well it still can be interesting but you just don't have as much to like talk about so generating discussion i think is a big fun thing about about game of thrones and i imagine they're trying to recapture that part that magic i have to tell
2: (laughs) you it's my one big complaint about streaming services I just think that like a lot of them are losing out by and, and like I'm disappointed when they release them all at once because I feel like I need to binge them. You can't have discussions. It's yeah. Then you feel uh, kind
0: of like undisciplined for not doing the th- doing it the way you think would have been more fun because you don't none of us seem to have the self-control to wait. And we yeah. know our friends don't either. It's so, not like if I wait. My friends aren't going to be waiting. They're going to be five episodes ahead of me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, not to mention it might just get spoiled for you. Yeah. It's the factor. Yeah. So in So yeah, times, I think there are shows
2: yeah. that are on Netflix and Amazon and and the like that they would blow up a lot more if they just were spread out over thirteen weeks. Yeah, you feel they, like even if they were half and then half, you know, over like a couple of weeks. Orange is
1: the new black, Stranger Things, these come yeah. out and. For about 10 days, everyone's talking about it. And then three weeks later, no one's talking about it. And those shoes do really well, but they... They parse it out a little bit more, just maybe three episodes a week for a month or something like that. Then they would uh, really
2: be dominating. Uh, Yeah,
0: And that's a concept we understand more here as podcasters because podcasts, far more than TV, we're a much smaller thing, obviously. Imagine if, imagine if we
2: released 13 episodes on one day and then none. For like a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be
0: terrible, right? But uh, that's not even what I meant. But you're right. That's a great point. What I meant is that we rely on word of mouth more than we're not on TV. So we're not in this, you know, you don't hear about other podcasts unless you're searching. The place that people hear about podcasts from their friends. You don't normally, you don't see commercials for podcasts very often. Well, you'll never see commercials, but you might hear one <laughs> on another <laughs> podcast. But I mean, it's just a lot harder. So we rely on word of mouth. So we get that. We get that. We, we understand the power of word of mouth because we rely on it so much. So when we hone in on this for the TV show, it's like, that matters so much. People talking about Game of Thrones every week. That really, really matters. People want to join in and be like, what are you guys talking about? I want to join in on this. I want to watch that show and join on these conversations, blah, blah, blah. You
1: it's know? by the way, it's not a new thing. This idea of right. releasing things episodically. That's how Charles Dickens wrote his novels. Oh, yeah. He released a chapter at a time in, like, newspapers and local magazines or whatever that would eventually, you know, after a year or whatever, he had
0: a book. But People have floated that idea to George R. R. Martin because yeah. the books are so long. And the problem with that is that he has to go back and change. He needs them. to rework things. Yeah, he yeah. can't just... Yeah. It, it doesn't work that and, way.
2: And it'll give a lot away if you see his That's earlier true. versions. That's true. There, I, I've been really into web series, you know, which are written uh, original tales, and follow, I've followed some over years, and it, it's fantastic. It's a very different experience to reading a, a book normally, honestly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what are other things that—so um, that's a great—I uh, think we captured that slice pretty well. But what are, there's a lot of other slices. I did real quick. I just
1: wanted to make a, a reference here, the sure. idea of, like, week-to-week talking about it. Do you remember that old Saturday Night Live skit with Chris Farley when he would have guests on? Yeah. And he would, like, you know, he'd have Tom Hanks on. Do you, you remember when you did Big— yes i remember that you you remember when you were dancing on the piano yes i
0: remember that (laughs) let's take a few quick questions that have popped up here and uh actually mostly just comments i don't see any questions so we'll just run through y'all's names here quick quick shout outs for people who have donated here stephen stark our hand of the queen sent a unicorn sticker thank you stephen looking forward to seeing you at uh con of thrones and by the way y'all after our stream is over, about an hour after our stream is over, go to Stephen Stark's channel where he will be interviewing Crow Food's daughter, Amanda. So, And she is a wonderful theorist and great member of the community. And so is Stephen himself. And his show is called, Hey, I Know That Nerd, or it's just I Know That Nerd. I don't think there's the hay in there. Is there the hay in there? I don't remember. Either way, it's I Know That Nerd. It's a great idea for a show. He's just interviewing different people around the fandom and get to know them better. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also, super chat from Sammy V., or is that Sammy the Fifth? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> ben Soul says, just showing love. Well, thank you very much, Ben. We'll show you love in return. Jill Wright, upside down smile sticker. Thank you very much, Jill. LMC says, I'll bleach and dye your beard for you, Sean.
2: We got into a discussion after that and I said, well, we will not make Sean bleach his beard. <laughs> but what I will probably do is use some of that nice hair. There's, there's you know colored hair gel you can get and we just put it in like the day of and it'll be super pink and just come out. So unless you want to bleach your beard, in which case let's do it. I, don't, I just not I, I just don't didn't think you want beard, to bleach the
1: beard, but I wouldn't mind something. that stays for a week or whatever. Okay, we'll talk um,
2: about this more. Options. Options. Regardless, options. Right, cool. I don't even know where LMC lives. So unfortunately <laughs> I, I think you're, you're left with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also thanks for the super chat from Kai real. All right. Um, Y'all definitely feel free to ask questions. I know it's harder to ask questions about this topic because we all know so little about it. But um, as we go forward, I hope maybe some questions will be raised as we uh, reveal what we've learned here. So along the same lines, things that make Game of Thrones great. We've talked about, you know, a few of the things so far, but what are some other things, like things that draw you to the show, things that when you're trying to sell the show to somebody Boobs. else... <laughs> No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's a pretty good chance there'll be boobs in this show, too. So, yeah. Uh, um, boobs are not unlikely. <laughs> what, are, what are other things? <laughs> Elbows? I will <laughs> ears, say, let's see.
1: Toes? One thing parts. about that, that really... <clears throat> something that I think drew me and a lot of people to it that it's a little bit harder to identify, at least originally is uh there are a lot of subverted expectations yeah right that's i think that's one thing but it's it's hard to catch that that's happening and it's hard to explain that to someone as you pitch it without like telling them what the things are and sometimes yeah. even knowing that there's going to be a surprise starts to give away the surprise but it is definitely part of it and i yes. hope expect it will still be there um They even, I think, there's the blurb that they've put out there. Is it's not the story you think it is, or something like that? Yes, which is
0: a rather common tagline. But it's you're right. But it does totally fit with what you're saying. Yeah.
1: So the other thing I would say that really like hooked me was that no character was safe. Mm -hmm. That the let me clarify because that's not totally it. That's a part of it, but it even led to my note taking style. Okay, is it? It wasn't clear to me. Who the story was about. Mm. They did such a good job of spreading the story out and developing so many different characters. I, my note taking technique was an attempt to figure out who the main character is. Who Who's the main story? What before am I before you realize here. that there wasn't one. Yeah, like, and oh. well, well, I sort of decided <laughs> It's Ned Stark. Ned Stark is the main. character. <gasps> is a story. all. <laughs> that was the main character. Like, uh, so I think that. Uh, uh, some combination of like the idea that characters aren't safe, that whoever you think is your favorite or the most central character might be killed makes you really fear for all the characters. You really believe when there's a battle that yeah. anyone could die. Yeah. Whereas and when I go to watch Marvel movies, I'm just like waiting for this action scene to be over because I'm not worried about anything.
0: You know? Yeah, and they're not um, even going to come out of it hurt. Right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in
1: Game of Thrones, I'm like really on the edge of my seat. Even
0: if a character you know? lives,
1: they might like lose a hand. Like, yeah, or, might yeah, be yeah, maimed. Might, yeah. And, yeah.
0: Something that um, really changes who they are.
1: So. So that that, you know that uh, that, that's kind of a swirl of factors, but I think that and maybe that's connected to subverting expectations too, I guess. But really caring about the characters, really being worried about what happens to them, whether it's because you're really rooting for their success or because you're really scared that they may die. Mm. Um,
0: And part of that is the character development in the first place, and the casting,
1: the performance. There's a lot. Like the the, there's a sort of a floor of of production quality that HBO is just going to have no matter what. And Game of Thrones elevated that mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah, yeah, right, they did. So that it's, it's hard to just say one thing, but I think that a lot of the things kind of swirl around the idea of really making you care about the characters and ways that you do that are killing characters off, yes. subverting expectations, developing the characters well.
0: And a meta thing that happens in there, this is an interesting add-on to what you're saying, is that sometimes they maybe cloud the issue or make it too clear uh, with regards to who is the main character and who isn't with regards to their fate by who the actor is. Right? Like Sean Bean was a famous actor, kind of famous for dying yet somehow that we didn't put that all together. <laughs> <laughs> but for example, you got a lot of these actors and actresses in say these other fantasy properties that are being picked up Lord of the Rings show, uh, wheel of time show, um, Brandon Sanderson stuff. Um, these are mostly casting unknowns because they don't know if they're going to be successful and the people, and experienced veteran actors don't want to tie themselves to a veteran, to a huge project that might ta- typecast them and might not go well. Because these are these are ambitious projects. Yeah. And, but that's different here. That's a major difference with, with Blood Moon is this is already a successful franchise. So they're not casting nobodies. They're casting people who were, well-known. And when I say nobody, I don't mean people who are untalented, obviously. I mean people who aren't famous yet. Well, yeah. And that, that's not just the actors and actresses. That's also the production people. You have the, the people working on Blood Moon are people with really heavy credits, really major productions under their belt. Uh, the kind of people that would not touch Lord of the Rings. They would not touch Wheel of Time because these projects are too big, too risky. They're perfect for uh, uh, someone getting started in an, an acting production career, etc. Not good for established people because they're just, just too risky, too, too time-consuming, etc. So, so that's a, a thing that we t- have to take into account here when we're looking at some of these characters. We know Naomi Watts has been cast. Naomi Watts is a famous actress. But we know, but because this is a Game of Thrones production, this could, she could go the new way of Ned Stark and just be killed at the end of the season mm-hmm. or killed during the season. If there's any other production, we'd be like, "Okay, Naomi Watts is the main character, and she's safe." But that's a huge difference here. So it's, uh, I like the, the the groundwork they've laid on how they made the past show, makes this more mysterious. Yeah, there's still a lot we can say about it. Um, so let's give a few examples. Uh, the the production tells us a lot of things. We can give, me- we can get really meta and think about um, what their intent might be just based on some of these things. For example. Um, if you, if they were to have cast a bunch of Asian actors, that would tell us something. We'd be like, oh, ET. They're going to do Yee right? Or, or they're just changing some other area of the world to be, to be somewhat Asian. But they didn't. There's like no Asian people cast, which doesn't mean there won't be, because this is only one episode, it's the pilot.
2: Yeah, you could see them introducing, you know, the main characters here, and then, Expanding that either throughout that season or in season two, like you don't you don't necessarily want to see the whole world in one season.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about Game of Thrones episode one. We got we got uh, Pentos and Winterfell. That's it. There was nothing else. Yeah, it really really expanded from there. But this first episode, this pilot, might only have one or two or three locations. But the fact that there are a, a much more diverse cast in terms of ethnicity. That implies, it doesn't say for sure, it implies multiple locations. Because we don't, unless they've changed some things, which is possible, it doesn't make, quote unquote, a lot of sense for a lot of first men characters to be, say, people of color. But there's several people of color cast, which means that either they've just tweaked canon so that they were some of the first men were people of color, which would be fine. I wouldn't complain about that. It's totally fine. But it also could just mean that this is some other location, like the Summer Islands or... Some other place like that. So these are interesting or things we can tell, like
1: that. Visitors from other lands may come to Absolutely. where all the first
0: men are. And so the fact that they have a pretty big cast for just a pilot, you know, we've got we I researched about twelve different actors here who we know are who are cast. That's a that's that's a good number, and especially because more are being added. Like Miranda Richardson was only added, only announced about a month or two ago as a pretty major actress, and um, there's probably more coming. So. That, I think that's really interesting just comparing these other fantasy shows that have a ton of money behind them. They have just as much as money and power behind them, but they have a different approach with their star power.
1: Also, the, also worth noting that a lot of main characters weren't in the first episode of Game of Thrones. Like there was no Littlefinger, there was no Varus, there was no Stannis in the whole first season. You know? Yeah, so good there's point. a lot of room to develop
0: the cast. You're right. I mean, and, and there, they there was started,
2: no Sam Tarley.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they started mm-hmm. adding sort of people who had a little bit more fame, like even if it was just a one-off, like Jonathan Price was a famous actor and he had a long role, but then they did Ian McShane who just had one episode, but he's a really famous actor too. That would, you know, that's not gonna, that might be something that happens later in the show if it gets picked up. Um, Everybody wants to be part of Game of Thrones now, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, there's other things we can tell. Also, production gives us some clues. I mentioned earlier that some of the same costume people were around. Well, let me bring up Catherine McNally here. She was the costume coordinator, or she is the costume coordinator for Blood Moon. She was the costume coordinator for seasons one through three of Game of Thrones. And then she seemed to leave Game of Thrones for one year in 2014, where she did Dracula Untold and Halo Nightfall. And then she came back to Game of Thrones to be the location coordinator.
2: Sure. Well, I I just realized if she did Dracula Untold, yeah. that's the armor that people use all the time fan casting like for Targaryens. He has this like sick red and black like oh, dragon yeah. armor in that movie. Are you sure?
0: I think that, I thought that was Bram Stoker's Dracula from like from even farther back no. With Gary Oldman. Okay, they yeah. both did it then cuz Gary Oldman's armor in the farther back Dracula is also super badass and dragony. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Looks, him it looks armor. amazing. Yeah. But uh Anyway, either way, yeah, that's I got awesome. <laughs> I I'm gonna put
2: it on the screen, even. Cool. Uh, just because it's like perfect Targaryen armor,
0: so, people can
1: wait for that. Yeah. So,
0: through. but in, of course, there's not much call for Targaryen armor to be in this show. But still, the fact that this was really cool armor, it just that just hey, Targaryen's
1: well. got their inspiration from
0: somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Good point. Good point. Um, so that's really cool. So they brought her in. Uh, brought her back. That's excellent. And as far as showrunners, I think most of y'all probably know this, but Dave and Dan have nothing to do with it. George, D- George R. Martin himself does have a good bit to do with it. The showrunner is Jane Goldman. She's the main person. Now, she has done things like X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, Kingsman, and Kick-Ass. You no, know, Kick-Ass was Kick-Ass. <laughs> that was a great film. <laughs> of all those,
1: I like Kick-Ass way more than the rest.
0: I'm with you there. I don't know King- that much about Kingsman. though. I-, I can't judge Kingsman. I don't know anything about it. Um, but uh, and this is like I said co-written by George R. Martin to some degree we we're not clear on how involved in the project he is but certainly as far as the world building he's heavily involved as far as the writing the actual episodes that's less likely to be uh, have his heavy involvement but eh, we'll see and so what this tells me about Jane Goldman she's filmed you know, the X-Men something interesting about X-Men one of the themes now this could be just a, a a parallel that I'm pointing to that doesn't exist But it struck me, and I want to bring it up, see what you guys think. One of the themes of X-Men is these characters of powers that are shunned, right? There's a lot of potential for that here. Skin changing, wargs. That is, is that accepted? Was that accepted back in the day? Or was that something that people were afraid of and shunned? Or somewhere in between?
1: It seemed to be treated with suspicion, in Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know? so how
0: will it be treated at to thousands of years earlier? So that's, I uh, wonder about that. It could be treated that way too. And that's a, well, that's something she would have experience with with uh, writing about or filmmaking about. So that's interesting. And just people with powers, you know, in yeah. general. Not like, like you said, we're not going to have people just shooting lightning bolts out of their hands like you do in X-Men. But, you know, not with that attitude. <laughs> you know
2: what it makes me think of is, I mean, X-Men, the X-Men movies have a lo- huge cast. Yeah. Which is I, impossible in a movie like that and they do not handle it well. But maybe with, you know, seasons, she can't, she knows better what to do. I don't know.
1: I X men the X-Men movies would have been way better as an eight-part series. 100%. Yeah, It was just so much more time to develop the characters, which is what you need to care. You don't care about the plot if you don't care about the characters going through the plot.
2: And I will say X-Men First Class, at least, is one of the better x-men movies like there's some things i really disliked about it and but at least some of parts were really good
0: Mm -hmm. it Uh, did have its good moments yeah it certainly had its weak points too i I would agree with that um but uh, yeah and and like you said sean the conflict that is really important like right you can't go through all that character development so quickly and that is what would make it so much more compelling is like like someone like nightcrawler who is like doesn't look human and like that's there's a lot of richness possibility there like (laughs) as someone who's not accepted who has this like who's shunned and Just going through his conflict would be really neat, but they can only spend like a couple minutes on each character in a movie.
1: I've had this thought developing in my mind recently about how something that makes sense to me and I see it playing out. Is it... When you have these big budget movies, we have these new special effects we've never had before. The filmmaking industry is bigger than it's ever been before. And, you know, when you want to get these big actors, put these special effects in a movie and you have this $100 million budget... You need to make your $100 million back, right? And so people are excited. There's there's a lot of different reasons people go to watch movies. Um, and I tend to be looking for serious drama or insight into human nature or whatever. Whereas a lot of people are looking for explosions and chasings and fights C- and whatnot. Yeah. You know? And I hey, if you can get both in the same movie, that's really good. But <laughs> it's a lot to develop in a movie. You know, it's hard to get that. And even these Avenger movies have been over two hours long. But... It makes sense to me to have these big action, big budget, explosive movies on the big screen. But on TV, you have time to develop characters. Uh, TV is where you can have eight hours worth of material. And somewhere in there, you might have a chase scene, an explosion, whatever. But you get to focus more on character development.
0: It doesn't have to be all about that chase scene. Yeah, It's nice if the chase scene is a thing that happens, but not the focus of the whole darn thing.
1: (laughs) And a big production on HBO, Game of Thrones successor series, you know, will have time to develop these characters but have budget for some CGI or whatever. Like, I feel like they're, they're going to get to hit all the bases here. I really hope. I really hope would, that they don't sacrifice character development <laughs> just to have more yeah, magic in here. But. I agree.
2: Wouldn't it be really interesting if, like, a, a network released their te- their big-budget TV show also on in movie theaters? In the theaters? Well, like, every that week? Would be
0: cool. You know? That would be fun. I mean... I Given know, the way a lot of movie theaters the have turned money. towards, yeah.
2: You go every week. No, some weeks I could skip it and watch it at home, or maybe then have another showing draw. I don't know. It would be an interesting experiment.
0: I mean, I don't go. I, this is a good, good little mini conversation here. And I want to point out, too, that I don't go to a lot of movies. I prefer TV shows because of mostly because of what you just said. You just don't. I want to stay in that world longer if it's worth being in. I want to learn these characters. I want to learn about them. I want to learn their personalities. You just don't have that time. In two hours, for unless it's a small cast. You do have that time of small cast, it's but a I small like, cast I like large drama. casts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just isn't a good format for what I want out of this this inter- entertainment in that sense.
1: And um, I think we're seeing, you know, there's the recognition of the industry of how to divvy up the resources, and we're seeing the best shows, the best TV shows ever, by far. Like, every week, the new best show of all time comes out. of it. like <laughs> it's crazy how many great shows are out there. Yeah. Whereas movies, I've been like, oh, they're okay. Last Couple of years of movies have had a, a couple gems and a bunch of okay. Where I feel like if you can go back <laughs> to the 90s, like every year had like five classics, you know.
0: Right on, uh, real quick. Can I interrupt? Sure. Share? Uh,
2: sorry, I, I didn't unmute myself. People could still hear me. But, uh, just we were talking about that armor that um, Catherine McNally would have worked on for Bolt, like she would have worked on it for Dra- Dracula Untold. Um, I mean, I showed it earlier, but also I forgot to mention that Michael Clarfeld, for his Dorn map, he used that armor as his basis for Rhaegar Targaryen. Uh-huh. And I'm going to put it on screen mm. right now, them compare, just because yeah, it's a point. fun comparison. Uh, anyways, I never realized she worked on Game of Thrones and Dracula Untold. I think that's really, really cool.
1: It'd be awesome uh-huh. if uh, Michael Clarfeld had something else in her works. Oh. <laughs> How
2: when many days it, now? Yeah. One day? <laughs> Two days?
0: It's soon, right?
2: It should be one or two days. I forget the exact... Uh, uh, Yeah, anyways. We can say
0: what it is, right?
2: Yeah, it's his Dorn map.
0: Yay! Michael's Dorn map's coming out, folks. Get excited. You know how good work he does, and we've seen it already. Man, it's good. So you won't be surprised, but you will be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a quick mid-roll break, give a couple shout-outs, and then we'll come back with a lot more about the prequel show. We have to talk about the fact that Essos and Westeros were one continent back then. We have to talk about... What physical features will exist and won't. We have to talk about the socialite with a dark secret. That's Naomi Watts' character and all the other people who have been cast. So we have a lot more to go through, so stick with us, folks. Um, shout out to our co-authors who helped with the book The Thrones Effect that Ashea and I contributed to Chapter 2. And if you would like to get that book yourself, you can get it on Audible or physical copy. Links are in the description of this episode. Our chapter is all about Game of Thrones' influence on pop culture and non-pop culture, like police and parents and pet owners, <laughs> fun mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, there's It's a lot- weird that it, it only affected things that start with P. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh, I missed that pattern. <laughs> and there's also chapters by Smokescreen and Gray Area and... Game of Thrones Academy and Ideas of Ice and Fire. Lots of great stuff in there. Check it out. It's a pretty cheap book. You don't have to drop much dollars to get your copy. And it supports all these YouTubers and podcasters. Also, some shout-outs to our Queens of Love and Beauty. We got a pair of them here. Uh, from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Carrie, Fire of the North, who recovered Dark Sister from Beyond the Wall. And introducing... The Laurel of Glory in the Name of Love to Bud of House Beresford, Knight of Tolkien and Arbiter of Scotch from Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson.
1: Yes. I just want you to know that I can't see or hear Queen of Love and Beauty without thinking Queen of Love and Booty. It's (laughs) it's just part of my brain now. Shout out
0: to (laughs) Chloe Ketchum (laughs) and Girls Gone Canon. Fantastic show. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's true. I, I kind of <laughs> do the same. <laughs> um, also shout out to our Blood Rider patrons who are evading me on the page here at the moment. Ah, there they are. Vorsaki, wielder of a Valyrian steel Arak with a dragonbone hilt. Kohal Koei called Sunpiercer, wielder of a dragonbone bow. And Kakavo the Tamer, wielder of the wildfire whip Gehenna.
2: I'm really curious if we like put you on a stage, if we could just get you to repeat... How many patron names you could just, you know, say off the top of your head?
0: Oh, wow. At well, least from memory. From memory. Yeah. Oh, wow. I could probably do a good number. Yeah, I, I have think had so. read these so many times. I'm sure yeah. some of them I would kind of get wrong.
1: But. A little bit wrong, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's also give some shout outs to our Cell captains. I believe it's their turn. Peter Blaze of the Emerald Isle, captain of the Werewood Wanderers, to long lives, quick deaths, cold beer, and warm women. Dave Ron is Marshal of the Axe, captain of the Red Tide. Resistance is futile. Kyron Callsbane is captain of the stone shields, the torrent breaks upon the stone. Hema Helminth is captain of the whispering children, dead men tell no secrets. Shepard is the shepherd of Essos, all men are sheep before the shepherd, heir to the whispering children. Lady Lajara Dajo is the iron lily, master archer, Castellan of the Summer Island Keep Arboreal Point, and captain of the all-female Wailing Widows, women and children first. Cody the Crimson is Bastard of Bracken, captain of the Red Waste Exiles and recruiter of the Free Folk. Cameron the Hammer of Hornwood is Captain of the English Lions with the motto, Honor is the Reward of Virtue. Lord Brandon Brewer of Castle Black Rune is Captain of the Shadow Wolves. Our Steel is Cold, Our Vengeance Colder. Black Alex Sand is the Bastard of Spears, Leader of the Bermuda Vanguard. And Bittersteel is Captain General of the Golden Company. Beneath the gold, the bitter steel, and our word is good as gold. Because they're the Golden Company, they get more than one motto. Because... When you're a big 10,000 size sellsword company, you get to call yourself whatever you want, and no one can stop you. They actually have 10,000 mottos, which is a couple of them. (laughs) Each each member of the company has a motto. (laughs) (laughs) Their work is one, but they also don't. And uh, speaking of... um, That's one of the mottos. We work
1: as one, but we also don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wonder if swords will be much of a thing in this prequel show. It seems like that's an ancient profession but it may not have been established as a thing. There may not have been enough nation states for it to be a viable living for a large number of fighters. There may not have been enough wars at that time or in certain areas. It's one of many questions about the setting we can't easily answer, but we are very curious about.
1: I've gotten the idea that the world of ice and fire is, I don't know, stagnant is quite the right word, but they don't seem to progress technologically very much. That is very true.
0: George has weighed uh, in on that. He says that if you look at human history, so much of the progress has been just in the past couple hundred years. Yeah, yeah. and that's he says like if, if if it wasn't for the Industrial Revolution, we might still be doing medieval stuff even now. Yeah, if to you picture if you
2: picture a graph, it's not just a steady
0: incline of up. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Although still, it was like. 2,000
1: year slow growth where this is 10,000 years yeah. old. But so. you can
0: have resets. Things can go back. You know, you can backslide. And magic yeah, really true. messes with the whole thing. Different theme.
1: areas of the world could advance and and
0: extinguish. And that you know? has happened. Yeah. yeah, we've seen that. Like E.T. and some of these, like, the Ashra. these yeah. places were far more advanced than Westbrook. well also, us, you're, but, uh, uh, you know, human not.
2: history goes back a lot farther than you just said right there, Sean. Yeah. As well, well I must say.
1: There was about... There's thousands of years of history, but we only have written history for maybe four yeah. thousand. Yeah, and Yeah, that's true. Two-ish thousand of those are kind of like lost. Uh, yeah. But but for example, they had like sewer systems in ancient Egypt and then they didn't have them in
0: medieval France. You yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly.
2: So uh, I was like, yeah, it's a...
0: You're right, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, like the, the show, The My Last Bear Kingdom. Of Alexandria burned down. Yeah, you know? the show and books, The Last Kingdom, that's a big kind of overshadowing thing is these are guys living in Saxon England in the shadow of Rome had existed a few hundred years ago and none of them have any idea how to build the things that Rome built. And so yeah. they feel like they're on the decline. They like, it's like we're and we're, you know, going into, heading towards an end times. And it's like this cast a shadow over everything. It's like, whoa, what a weird thing to have live hanging over you all at all times. Yeah. Like imagine that if we lived in, if imagine if New York City was deserted, abandoned, like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> and no one knew how to make sky, like how did they make those skyscrapers? Like that's kind of, what it's like, in a, in a sense. But in, in Westeros and Essos, there's a lot more magic to it. <laughs> it's like, why does no, why do no plants grow next to these oily black stones? You know, that there could be a scientific reason for that, but it's probably a magical reason. So if you missed it from the beginning, we are doing a giveaway by the end of the episode. It'll probably be around the end of the episode. Shire Post Mint, email Westeros History Giveaway mm-hmm. at gmail.com to be entered automatically and we'll announce the winner around the end of the episode.
2: Oh, all right, so they can send their emails in now, right?
0: Yeah, go ahead and send your emails in if you haven't been doing so already, um, and we'll draw that winner. $100 mm-hmm. credit to ShirePost Mint. Yeah. Okay, so more production stuff. Let's, uh, actually, let me take a few more questions here. Looks like we've got had a couple more questions added here from Stephen Stark. Who would you like to see cast that hasn't been announced yet? Good question. I, I assume he means character and not actor or actress? I was assuming you meant actor
2: the actor or actress, actress oh. for sure. I was imagining Okay, I'm wrong, man. man.
0: Oh, well, yeah. what do you guys think? I, I was thinking about the question wrong. I, I want
2: hundred percent unknown people. I hate it for these types of shows. I just I want unknown people. I want it to send their careers, you know. I, I want to discover new people, new act new actors. I I don't know. That's cool. my first thought. I'm already kind of drawn out by the idea of Miranda Richardson and Naomi Watts. Uh yeah. Okay.
1: I like for there to be a couple known people. I think, I don't know how to say this exactly, but I think it adds some weight to it. Mm. Like, oh, here's this person, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see that. And I, and I also like for ne- not necessarily be completely unknown people, people that are like, that guy was a, a tertiary character in that random show I saw. Like, I like to recognize them from something. But still, to your point, Shea, for this to be like a launching pad for someone whose career is just getting started and now they're going to make it big. You know, yeah, it's, I, I it's good like that, that they have
0: that as an option or that that's, yeah, because there are, A lot of these actors that we've seen cast, none of them are nobodies, but there are some who are less famous than others, but there hasn't been a single one where that we've seen their name associated with this and they didn't already have an IMDb page with some several things on it that were were pretty substantial.
1: That I recognize, but I feel like I only recognize them because I watch a lot of TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I wouldn't expect everyone else to recognize. Some of them them, are
0: more recognizable to others because a lot of them are because it's overwhelmingly British.
1: Yeah, fans, I guess which, people who watch more British television would be yeah. recognizing more of them. Exactly.
0: Uh, question from... Well, well, anyway, I'd like to see Tom Cruise. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a particular actor or actress that comes to mind that I would really like to see attached to. But I like Ashea's point, but I think you're right, too, that having a couple, just dotting it, the occasional like veteran in there that people know is, is helpful. From Top Shelf Fandom... got wait, a
2: Wait, actually, I have an answer. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I love Antonia Thomas from Misfits, and she just hasn't been in anything, Alicia from Misfits, in oh, ages. Yeah. And so she's a known entity, and Ewan Rian was Ramsey, and so I just want to see both of them in there. Him as so Ramsey Sande was in that
0: show, so was Pip. Yeah, yeah. they've
2: been, uh, Catelyn was in Misfits, Oh yeah, Catelyn, I could keep naming off people, but I just wanted that, and truly I want to see more Misfits cast members. Oh, Mira Reed, of course, was in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ellie, you know, Ellie Kendrick. Uh, Anyways, uh, so I I want Misfits, actors specifically, I guess.
0: Right on. (laughs) Okay. From Top Shelf Fandom, Super Chat, got to run. It's always a pleasure though, guys. Thank you for that. Uh, From I Don't Know How to Change Names, should HBO focus on creating culturally interesting work or focus on reproducing success of Game of Thrones? I don't see why they can't do both. They're a really huge shop. They put out a ton of shows and I think they are producing culturally interesting work, you know, pretty frequently. But there's nothing wrong with making some dollars, especially because they're making dollars with something that, that was quality that a lot of us want to see. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving the audience what they want, you know? Well, to, to a certain what, degree. What might be wrong with that degree. is that there's
1: different audiences. Yes. And so you're trying to give all the audiences what you want, and which sometimes when you do that, you end up not giving any audience what they want. It's a, it's a tough balance to make. And a fear I do have is a lot of times you see, whether it's a show, Game of Thrones specifically, or even a lot of movies, there's sort of this Ramp up in epicness, right? And so when you start again, sometimes you start at the ramped up level mm. and don't give yourself anything to grow into. Yeah. And I would say that's my biggest concern. Okay. Start off with a lot of grand special effects and-, and magic, and then it, they won't be able to like slow burn to this powerful ninth episode, you know, where dragons okay. are born. Holy crap, you know. Well, there's a
0: few things that, that speak to what you're saying. Um, as we get into some of the production notes and who they hired, that does give us some idea. Like, if you hire a director who r- has a lot of experience filming action scenes, that tells you something, for yeah. example, okay. right? If you hire someone that's... I
2: mean, I mean, can you really guess that they're, they're not going to have a lot of action? Or do you mean, like, once we get a little bit further and we see who's filming what episodes?
0: Well, the fact Marvel? that they've already... Uh, that, this is a specific example. They've already hired uh, Matthew Dunn, who his his roles... Uh, he's an assistant director, and he's his. If you look at his IMDb, it's all action movies: Patriot Games, Starship Troopers, Marked for Death, Fantastic Four, Mission Impossible Three, X Files, Rookie of the Year, Planet of the Apes. This is a guy guy's tons of, and he is already hired, which means just for the pilot. But as an assistant director, well, he's he was an assistant director for all for all those. those right. the, he was he was always second director for these yeah. action shots. Like he's the so, action second assistant. Right. Guy. So
1: that's my hope is that they're going to have a director who's in charge of the entire production. Yeah. And when it comes to action scenes, all right, we got have the action experts. Yeah, okay, I don't think this... can make g- the yeah. action work. Yeah. This is
0: not like... Especially because Game of Thrones doesn't do one director for every... You know, they, they change it. So this yeah. guy is probably still an assistant for the action stuff. Um, but it implies there's an action scene in, in the pilot. Yeah. Which makes sense that there would be one. But nice I, doubt no like be a, I doubt it's like a battle. But it could be. You know, it could It'd be. be, be. It might be a smaller scale. That's the other thing. A lot of these... Movies I just listed off don't have like armies facing armies. I mean, some of them do like Starship Troopers did. Um, Planet of the Apes sort of did, I guess. But like Patriot Games had small battles. Like those were, those were armies, but they were small armies. They were like 100 versus 100. And uh, X-Files is people with superpowers fighting, you know? Or not X-Files, sorry, X-Men. But uh, so I meant to say Fantastic Four there because there was no X-Men, it was X-Files. And but X-Files is a good example. Like they didn't, X-Files didn't film battles at all. Yeah, that's one of the few that I, I threw in that threw that one in there because it's a different kind of action mood kind of thing. They may have like a few minutes of like some strange monster, yeah, <laughs> but or, but Mulder and Scully don't fight the monsters in.
1: Yeah, they had like some Files. craft, some alien spacecraft or whatever. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so there's, I don't know. That tells us a little something, uh, but I don't want to go too far with that. You, you heard it here first, folks. Blood Moon is gonna have alien spacecraft <laughs> and the cigarette <laughs> smoking man. <laughs> <laughs> cigarettes are one of the technology they lost over time <laughs> yeah. so what's funny is this guy's name is matthew dunn some uh, astute listeners may have guessed may have recognized that name uh, indirectly because the weapons master for game of thrones is tommy dunn but there's no relation here it's the same spelling d-u-n-n-e but they're not related as far as i can tell however matthew dunn is the son of a stuntman so it kind of makes sense that a guy who grew up as the son of a stuntman would become a filmer of action scenes (laughs) because he grew up watching his dad do them. (laughs) The the Duns have action in their blood. (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, So, since we got off on this track, let's continue with it. Um, I'll come back to the question, the rest of the questions a little later. Um, Actually, let's take this one from Geek Furious because it's kind of relevant here. Could a show set 5,000 years in the past have huge time jumps between seasons to maybe skip over slow parts to satisfy less sophisticated viewers? I seriously doubt it because... Small time jumps of four, five, ten years, yes. We've seen shows do that successfully. Vikings, a very major show that did that multiple times. And but huge time jumps, nah. Because you gotta recast everyone. That's just I think that the logistics of that are just I don't think so.
1: I think it theoretically could be done, but I don't think it's wouldn't
2: satisfy dumb, I mean less sophisticated viewers either.
0: Because one of the problems is that they've they don't know who everybody is. And then mm-hmm. if you just reset everyone, and it's like, I got to learn a whole new cast. Yeah, that's... I kind of doubt that. I kind of doubt that. It would be cool, but that's not... I doubt that's uh, feasible for a big production company to do something like that. Um, okay, so yeah, let's talk a little bit more about um, some of the production notes and some other stuff that we, uh, that we that we think we know and some things we think we don't know. So, <laughs> since it's a story we think we know, but we don't know, there could be differences in the timeline. This is something we got into in our Age of Heroes episode a year ago, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But for example, there shouldn't be a Winterfell. There shouldn't be a Storm's End. There shouldn't be a Wall. There shouldn't be a King's Road. There shouldn't definitely shouldn't be a King's Landing. That's only 300 years old. We're talking about thousands of years ago. There shouldn't be Sunspear. There shouldn't be the Erie. There shouldn't be White Harbor. There shouldn't be Gulltown. There shouldn't be almost anything. There should be maybe Highgarden. There should maybe be Casterly Rock. There should probably be Old Town. There should probably be the Seastone Chair.
2: But it'll be so cool. I mean, like, it's not like we saw a ton of Old Town, but Old Town's going to be, like, real different.
0: Older town. Yeah. Older town, <laughs> Super yes. Old Town. And Westeros and Essos, for you guys who are watching, this is one. This is connected. That's huge because it also changes the whole shape of, of trade routes. You can't sail from here to here. This is one solid continent. This would be, like, the equivalent of the, the Suez Canal being built, that allows people to go through this now and trade, opens up, all this stuff changes. So, like, the geography is massively different. For all we know, the seasons are normal, too. That's another one It's like, we take that for granted because every single person in the story of, of Game of Thrones proper has grown up with seasons being like that, and they don't really know anything different. That's normal for them. But this, their normal might be, quote-unquote, seasons more like Earth. Mm-hmm. And that by itself changes a lot of things. Just that, you know, Changes how society works when you don't have to worry about winter going six or seven years. But they're gonna deal with the thing that made it that way in the first place, apparently. The reason that we now have seven, eight-year winners is gonna be dealt with. Um what are some other things? Did anything when we were preparing this episode, were some things that unresolved mysteries from Game of Thrones that you think that you would like to see that you think are feasible here?
1: I want to know more about the Lord of Light. Yeah. That's what okay. I'm maybe most intrigued by Yeah. Some history to where the, the religions originated.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. And the fur, of course, with the old gods, that's a religion. We have, we talked about the skin changers already. Okay. And that's a great segue to Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts's character is described as a socialite with a dark secret. Charismatic socialite. Char- yes, you're right. Charismatic. That part seems to be kind of uh, apparent just by looking at her and seeing her acting. She'll be more like Marjorie than Cersei. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So a, real, uh, a few things about Naomi Watts. A lot of you are familiar with her already, but she's an Oscar-nominated actress. I am floored that she's 51 years old, by the way. Yeah. Like, wow. Uh, she was in Twin Peaks, the new version of Twin Peaks, which she won a lot of acclaim for that. She was in Gypsy, The Ring 2, I Heart Huckabees, 21 Grams, Strange Planet. She did voices for Babe Pig in the City. So very broad skill set. She's beautiful. She's charismatic. She's a great actress. She has voices. i drawing a blank, but what was the
1: the David Lynch movie that she did? It's what I kind of think of knowing her for.
0: That's not Twin Peaks. No, no, that was no, a show. You're right. Yeah, yeah my
1: bad. Uh, um, oh, it's killing me. It's a, it's a, I don't know for like, art house. You know, movie nerds. It's it's a great movie. It's I, Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Oh, Thank yeah, you Mulholland God. Drive. I just yeah, the name of it. Yeah.
0: Cool. So another big one. So she's been in. A, so she is probably the biggest star. Maybe Miranda Richardson's a bigger star. It's not important to, to rate them like that, but. It's, but the reason I bring it up is because like oh, we're talking need, about.
2: No, no, Aziz, you need to give me a, a ranking, like <laughs> 10 points, firstly on ears.
0: So is she, uh, is, is she, a,
2: how is her left ear? And her left is her ear right is
0: better ear. than her right ear. Yeah, definitely. Okay, is she a, does it make
2: her like a perfect 16? <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. So that's this is, this is touching back on what we said about Sean Bean before. Is she a traditional lead where she's like a main character or the main character? Or is this a setup where she's just going to die at the end of the season? We're like, oh, it was another one of these type of characters or some combo of the above. Is there lots of leads? She's just one of them. She's just one of the first ones we get introduced to, like Daenerys or John or Ned. Um,
2: we, we did get a comment uh, here from uh, anime lover Nicole, who asks, what do you guys think? Could Land the Clever be a woman? And could that be whom? Naomi Watts is playing and I have to say when I immediately saw her name I was like oh that's what I wanted so bad we talked about I really don't think it's the case I think it's just wishful thinking well
0: here's the thing I I agree with you and I, and I, I think that you're right that she's not a Lannister I don't think she's a Lannister. Yeah, I don't th-
2: think she's a Lannister and I don't or, or I that of said. that family
0: or a Casterly or whatever. Yeah, but the point I don't is think that
2: she's not either. The point is that she is a mystery woman sort of thing like a, a charming socialite mm-hmm. who winkles Casterly Rock from the Casterlies and is land the clever essentially in the history books. Well, no, it's, I get that. The, I'm just yeah, saying that doesn't
0: explain the dark secret. The dark secret yeah. to me is I'm guessing it's going to be something mystical, like yeah. maybe she's a skin changer.
2: Yeah, I think it's that's, that's what I thing. mean. Is I think that sort of thing. I think the argument people like her dark secret is that yeah. she's trying to steal this castle. Yeah, that doesn't really <laughs> sound like a
0: dark secret. Yeah, that's just, no. So, so I think, so I think that there's. This is, this, we could separate these two ideas. Like having a
1: unscrupulous plan is different from knowing a piece of information that yeah. is scary yeah. or whatever. Right. And know? maybe,
0: that, but of course, the way it's, it gets from the truth to the media spin or the way it's pre- presented to us could be inaccurate. But, Assuming it's accurate, then I totally—that's what. It I, still would I agree be
1: with. awesome, even if she is not. If some other woman was land the clever, I would still think that's right. Yeah,
0: no, I'm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's one of the things we brought up in our Age of Heroes uh, live stream a year ago. Land's sister—the la- idea of Lannister—is a shortened word of land's sister, mm-hmm. and that could work really well. Land the clever, yeah. No man's land. <laughs> <laughs> we mm-hmm. led that hashtag yeah. charge a while back, so. We're certainly on, on board for that, but I don't. But I just don't think it's Naomi Watts. I just, that would have to be a different character, I think. Um, however, it's still it's still possible for sure. And uh, Sam, our friend Sam from Watchers on the Wall, got to interview her a little bit, and, and Naomi said she's intimidated because the show is so successful, but she's confident that, that fans will like it. She thinks that they're bringing a lot of great things to the table. Of course she'll say something like that. She's yeah. not going to be like, actually, I don't have a good feeling about this. This, <laughs> isn't, this isn't going well. But still... It's cool. I, it does seem like a kind of an honest thing to say. Edit that out later. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels authentic to be intimidated <laughs> by this. Uh, so, so that's interesting, but I, I do, I, I definitely, the dark secret thing definitely pushes me towards thinking skin changing or some sort of magical secret. But it could be something else. Could, there's, we we could be we I, could I, be so I, far I, off the scent. It's something we couldn't even. I figured of. out
2: her dark secret. No, She's no. not naturally blonde. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 that is a, a dark a secret. Yeah. Yes. Aha. Mm. So, uh, Miranda Richardson, another major actress here. She's um, also Oscar nominated. She's most famous as Rita Skeeter from Harry Potter. She's also been in a lot of comedic roles. Absolutely fabulous. It's a huge successful British show that ran for a long time. And she was in it. She's also in a Black Adder quite a bit. Was, several... she,
2: was she absolutely fabulous in it too? I think so.
0: <laughs> I assume so. Fab fab. If you mm-hmm. go to yeah, if you go to her MDB, it's really, really long. She's been acting since she was young, and she is not young now. So that's a long list. And uh yeah, like Ashaya said, you know, you can having famous people can be a mixed bag, but we'll have to see what with no idea what role she's in. You know, she could be some sort of matriarch figure she could be some sort of like Cirrus. she could be it's, it's impossible to guess she's there's only you can only kind of eliminate a few possibilities like she's probably not some big hairy mace wielding warrior
2: i doubt she lives <laughs> in the summer isles
0: yeah yeah <laughs> pretty safe guess there too yep uh toby regbo is another name that we took note of he's known for treasure island and rain but around here We know him as Ethelred from The Last Kingdom, where he was a real, not a good character. I mean, good character, but, you know, a dislikable character. You love to hate him. You love to hate him. He wasn't as bad as Joffrey. He's a little more adult, um, but he, he reminded me a little bit of Joffrey. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, on my end, I know his face very well because people love to fan cast him and use him in edits and stuff like that for a Song of Ice and Fire yeah, characters.
0: He's a handsome dude. Yeah, That's whatever.
2: True. I've just, I, I will <laughs> see. I, I, we were talking about it and we were, I, we we're both really hoping that he plays a similar character to Ethelred, that he's just the kind of character you want to hate.
0: And you know what? There's a lot of room for characters like this. So, of course, there's going to be some dudes that we love to hate or women we love to hate. That seems likely. Because it's a big cast. It's Game of Thrones style. But also, this is supposedly... The the and, you know the Long Night was led into by civil, a decline in civilization. Like, civilization is declining, and it kind of leads to this dark age. And so you could expect a lot of crappy rulers to be around. Like, you're not going to have a bunch of great rulers. It's a golden age, it just... Boom. Dark age just suddenly happens. So you got to have that... Some of that decline is going to already be in place. Like, heirs that are clearly not going to rule well and and people who feel really entitled, people who don't, you know, have no honor, all that stuff. And these are all, these are all told to us about things that happened in the great empire of Dawn that existed 10,000 years ago or so. It was a great society that collapsed and uh, it had some of these elements where it had like, you know, great civilization that was on the decline. You know, there's whispers of that. The history kind of tells us that. So that's, uh, that fits pretty well. Uh, a, lot of, a lot to look forward to there.
1: That, by the way, is something that perplexes me a little bit. I, it seems like what I've read is this is the story of that decline. But it that, to me, seems like a difficult show to end. Like, how are we going to feel when the show is over? I feel like mm. the rise well, out of the I, decline is the question. story I, that would I, end well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess mm. I feel you. I mean, I feel like they could. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those things where like, OK, the how long is the long night then? Yeah. That like, people are going to complain about. But we did get a question um, from Shot uh, that I put in the Q&A area where they were like, is the series going to end with the hammer of the waters? Which is a fun thing to think about. Uh, how will it end?
0: The Hammer of the Waters was the flooding of the Neck. When the oh, Neck okay. became a marshland, it wasn't a marshland. That's, why, that's what Moat Kalen was like, partially submerged yeah. and all that. Or yeah. maybe the
2: breaking of the Arm of Dorn. The breaking of the Arm of Dorn here,
0: yeah. Which uh, is, it, yeah. there's, it, the, legends tell us that the children of the forest were responsible for that. They were trying to stop the flood of humanity into this continent. And this was how they did. At first they did this to, to break the land bridge, and then they did this to make it more inhospitable, supposedly. We don't know if that's true. But, it would it's, be comp- interesting. it's a compelling story if it is.
2: You know, it would really tell us something about Children of the Forest is how many children and young people, like young-looking, oh, yeah. short people they were to cast.
0: Oh, yeah, You good know, point. that would be very tough. That would be. And right now, we have almost nothing in that regard. Yeah. However, good timing for that. The next two actors on the list here are Georgie Henley and Dixie Edgerix. And Georgie Henley is Lucy from The Chronicles of Narnia. So she's... You know, a child actor who's, well, not a child anymore. I guess she's probably 15-ish. Yeah,
2: I don't know how old. I mean, I don't know how old she is and how tall she is, but she sure looks young.
0: Yeah, she could be a child of the forest. Of course, in Game of Thrones, all the children of the forest were female. Now, that's almost certainly okay. not going to be the she, case okay, in this show. Okay, I can
2: show. tell you now. She is 23 years old. Oh, she's and, older than I thought. And okay. she's five foot four. All right. Anyways. Anyway, that's anyway, about the same height to as Tom
0: Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> uh Dixie Edgerix is also British. She's 14. So she's she is younger. And the photos of her, uh she just looks kind of wistful and sad. Like she was she's in, been in a horror film called The Watcher in the Woods with Angelica Houston, and just like her IMDb photos, she's not smiling. I mean, <laughs> which how, is unusual. How, how Can't
2: she not look wistful and sad? Her name's Dixie. <laughs> Dixie
0: Edgerix. <laughs> And uh, so that's interesting. And I wonder about that. I don't, it doesn't really seem like they would be, she would be a child of the force, but that could work. That could definitely work. Um, we also have uh, Marquise Rodriguez, who is young Raymond Santana in When They See Us, which has been getting all kinds of critical acclaim. He's also in Luke Cage, one episode and five episodes of Iron Fist. I'm not really sure what role he had in there. Like, I don't know those shows very well, but he may have done some fighting. Those are both action shows maybe he did maybe he had some action roles there so maybe he's gonna do uh be a warrior type who knows um he is also a person of color which of course that's doesn't tell us a lot but it means that we're getting other locations probably like we said we talked about that already i don't need to go back to that but it it touches on that again jamie campbell bauer we talked on briefly that's uh he plays young grindelwald he plays caius in twilight breaking dawn he is a uh a handsome guy, handsome kid. Uh, he is actually a distant descendant of British nobility himself. He was Sweeney Todd, or in Sweeney Todd with Johnny Depp. He was King Arthur in the Camelot TV show. So he is probably some handsome noble character. <laughs> Seems likely. We have Denise Gao. Uh, lots of acting roles, but mostly she's a she's done voice acting, which is interesting. So maybe she's doing some sort of character that isn't uh, isn't voiced isn't the actor like a like a Darth Vader type situation where you have James Earl Jones doing the voice
1: costume CGI or something.
0: Yeah. So I'm just a guess, but she's done voices for Dragon Quest, Mass Effect, Andromeda, The Witcher 3, Star Wars Battlefront, a lot of, you know, battle type games and stuff like that. Uh, We also have Sheila Atim, who is a British person of color actress and composer. She's won the member of the order of the British Empire for her services to drama. That's pretty cool. Uh, but she doesn't have a lot of credit. She's pretty new. She seems super talented, but she doesn't have a lot of credit. Twelfth Night and Harlots as Limehouse Nell.
2: I love Harlots, by the way. Oh, you know she, that show? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's really good. I like
0: I <laughs> of course she says. Like I that.
2: mean, I like I like historical <laughs> historical dramas when cool. they're like led by women and not all about war and that's what Harlots is. Cool. And it's also, you know, got a lot of, of gay characters in it.
0: Nice. And, and I just didn't know anything like, about it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's all.
2: <laughs> it, it is a Hulu show and a web series that like releases week to week.
0: So cool. that's fun. Nice. Then there's John Sim, whose name came up briefly before. He's got a huge list of roles. He's a veteran. Uh, he's been around since 1992, mostly TV. Uh, he did Collateral and Doctor Who. He was a character, the character called The Master in Doctor Who, and he was David Mars in Collateral. And by the way, he is the first of several actors we're going to reach here that were in the show Collateral. That's a British show that I'm not super familiar with, but apparently... It's uh, a show? Yeah, it's a TV show, yeah. okay. not a movie.
2: Yeah, not the movie Collateral, a British TV show it's called P- Collateral yeah. that has <laughs> okay. Carrie Mulligan in it.
0: Okay. Right, uh, we have Alex Sharp, who was a really interesting story. He was another British actor, but didn't get famous in, in in England. He was rejected by all the major UK stage schools, only to be accepted at Juilliard of all places, which is a really prestigious school in New York. And he won a Tony Award on Broadway. Uh, so this- and,
2: yeah, I just want to say I love Alex Sharp in How to Talk to Girls at Party at Parties. Yeah. That movie it cracks me up. I love the concept of it. I thought he was particularly good in it. I like this guy a lot. I'm excited to see what kind of character he plays. Clearly,
0: Shay should be leading this part of the discussion. She knows all these <laughs> actors, and I just like looked them up. I had never heard of any of them. <laughs> uh, I thought She's you like, saw I know that some of How to Talk to
2: Girls at Parties. I watched it a few times here. I've watched it multiple times. I liked it a lot.
0: Cool. He seems like a character out of um, a Judd Apatow movie. That's how. I, yeah, yeah, he
2: does. He just got this, uh, yeah, this look to him for sure.
0: <laughs> so next one is Josh Whitehouse, who that last name sounds very Game of Thronesy. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. been in Paul Dark as Hugh Armitage and the night before Christmas, which is a name I love because it's a pun. It's the night as in a knight in shining armor, the night before Christmas, <laughs> but we don't know a whole lot about him. He's uh, a bit of a newer actor. Um, John Heffernan is a, is in his late thirties. He's a British actor also in collateral as Sam Spence. And is, he was Lascelles in uh, J- Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, And he was in Dracula. So he, uh, He's uh, got a smiley face, so I wonder what kind of character he'll be. Uh-huh. <laughs> Naomi Aki uh, is, I'm not sure of her nationality, but she's a person of color, and she's been active for only about four years, but she's already getting major roles. Yeah, she's she's in British The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah she's, Jan- yeah,
2: she's Jana in The Rise of Skywalker, and if you keep up with like the Vanity Fair cover shoots and photo shoots, we saw her character. She looks so badass. Uh, I love her already, but <laughs> I also know her from the show The Bisexual, um, which is also on Hulu. It was released in the UK first, I believe. Nice. Um, but in th- that show is by Desiree Akvon, who did the movie Appropriate Behavior. and oh, cool. Obviously, it's about a character who's bisexual, but the character Naomi Aki plays is this gay Character works in an art gallery. Anyways, that
1: movie is called Inappropriate Behavior. No, it's appropriate. It's appropriate. Appropri- I think I mixed Sean that saw up. But it yeah, too. yeah. I remember that movie stuck it, with me. Yeah, it was really good. The,
2: the TV show is good too. And right. yeah, she was she's in a, most of the episodes. Naomi nice. Aki is. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, she was very like her character was very good <laughs> at being standoffish and kind of rude. Ah. Like a, it's just for context. Like I know she can play many things, but that she was like playing a very distinct kind of character.
0: Nice. Okay. Next up we have Ivano Jeremiah who all three of us have seen this character. I think we
2: all love him. We yeah,
0: do all love yeah. him. He's in the he's in the show Humans as the character Max. Max is a uh the show Humans is about uh AI um beings existing being made by humans it's and a, then how that all goes, the conflict that creates. It's a perfect
2: complement to Westworld. If you watch Westworld mm-hmm. because they're they're very different yes. and very so it's perfect. Just watch it's it. It's really
0: good and he he plays a Uber, uber pacifist. I mean, this guy is like—he's
1: yeah. my favorite character. Jesus show, level yeah.
0: pacifism. He is super nice and he's just so warm. Sweet. Multiple
1: but, times, like everyone's like,
0: "What? We got to go get revenge," and he's
1: like, "Maybe we should think about this." So <laughs> you,
0: you, you, got, you can't help but love this character. But he's a highly trained stage and TV actor, and it, there's no reason to assume he's going to be a warm, friendly character. He could—he's a big man. He's six foot two. He's—he's he's, his head was shaved in humans, and he's dark skinned, black guy. He, with big eyes. So he could be very intimidating if he wanted to be. A yeah, very distinct look. And I noted from his IMDb pages that he's extensive training in combat, which, hey, this is Game of Thrones type of show. Tall, intimidating dude with... State, with Combat training, Yeah, we can't go too far in predicting roles. Test for a reason. You know, this guy, I, I would I would bet this guy's going to have a fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that. He's also been in Black Mirror and The Hollow Crown. He's done lots of voice work, so very uh, broad skill set this dude has. So, exciting. And last but not least for actors, sorry if y'all are getting a little tired of going through all these actors, most of whom you haven't heard of, but only one more. Richard McCabe veteran British actor. He's almost 60 years old. He was also in Collateral as Peter Westbourne. He was also in Paul Dark. We mentioned that show also Mr. Trencom. And he was a, he was he played Churchill Winston Churchill in the show Peaky Blinders. He was also in Master and Commander the movie as Mr. Higgins, the surgeon's mate. So another uh, this guy is, as an older actor, he's more likely to be some sort of Lord or, you know, powerful guy, but maybe not. He could be you never know, like a religious guy, guy shop- or who knows, shopkeeper. Yeah, you never know. We can't go too far with these guesses. One other person I want to mention here is Emma Denby. She, uh, she's relevant because she's a construction modeler, which at this stage is really important because they're building sets, and, it, and the sets tell us a lot about what we can expect. And she did all of season eight for Game of Thrones construction modeling, which means the wall, which means King's Landing, the expanded Winterfell, so some really big... Important things that were awesome, even though the writing behind them wasn't great. I don't want to hear anyone complain about the work that these construction modelers (laughs) did because they were, especially if you watch the behind the scenes stuff, man, that stuff is like high tech, skilled, clever, like these people really good at what they're doing and you can't blame them for other stuff. (laughs) So (laughs) they don't decide what happens. They just make it. So she's done King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. She's done Alice Through the Looking Glass. She's done Spider-Man: Far From Home, or is doing Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's being filmed. Aladdin and Annihilation. So a lot of really big, important movies while doing Game of Thrones season eight. Annihilation is not
1: only a good movie, but definitely when I think about like the the setting and the backdrop, the the visuals of the movie was impressive too. Very
0: unusual and unique. Yeah. So yeah, very diverse. All kinds
1: of different stuff in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we also have a costume designer. I, I said there was only one more, but I, I lied. There's one more. Imogene Shays, who did costumes for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Meg, Bite Me, True Blood, American Horror Story, and Glee. She is also doing costumes for Blood Moon. Um, but let's talk about what the sets tell us. I want to talk. We, we, we've talked off and on about the children of the forest in this episode. And that seems, it was a very solid guess to expect children to be part of this show. But now it's even more solid. And the reason is a couple of, Production notes: One thing is that we've heard that they're filming in the uh, what's it called? The where are my notes here? The our Marble Arch caves in northern uh, in Ireland, which is cool. Uh, we already mentioned Belfast is confirmed, and other locations are not unlikely, but we don't have confirmation on them yet. And we saw drawings by the children of the forest in the caves and Dragonstone. Yeah, so that's very exciting. And we got um, through via Watchers on the Wall. Uh, So shout out again to Watchers on the Wall. This is Vanessa Cole. uh, Did an article. And there was a Twitter user named A underscore Red underscore Priestess who got some photos back in May of one of the sets being constructed. And it looks to be a cave system. So we both have this artificial cave system and these marble arch caves, which is a real cave system. That just screams Children of the Forest. Caves, children of like there's not even another good theory out there for what this is. Uh, I mean, there are other possibilities for sure. Going back farther in time, you might have humans living in caves, but if we have socialites, we probably don't have a whole lot of humans living in caves here. You know what I mean? This is, it does sound like a fallen civilization rather than just a sparse, prehistoric kind of society. It seems like a pretty major society with connections to other societies that collapses rather than a, a Bronze Age proto-civilization situation. maybe it's maybe a merging of the two ideas and with multiple locations. We can have both. But, um, so the caves, like this is something you haven't gotten to in the books yet, but it's something that's really important. And you got to see in the show, what did you see when you, when Bran went into that cave? Oh, I was more
1: about the cave with Igor and John in it.
0: Oh, there's that too. But when (laughs) Bran went into the cave, the three eyed Raven's cave, like bones and dark, like it's, a creepy place, right? That's not a. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's found shelter. It's a happy end of the destination. So, like, talk to us uh, for a minute about like what that, like that whole feeling about that cave and what that speaks to you and and what, how we, you know, any ideas you might have on what, uh how they could present this in a different light or in a similar light.
1: Yeah. Well, one of my thoughts is just the nature of filming in caves. It's got to be a little awkward. That's a good point. Know? I hadn't so, thought about that. You yeah. know, s- depending on how. Narrow or tall the walls are. How much of a civilization is in there versus just a family hiding out? I I feel like feel like it'll be hard to present too much inside caves. Okay, does that yeah, make sense? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's just hmm. gonna be a little too narrowly visually narrow. Uh, so. Uh, may, maybe i'm wrong maybe they'll prove me wrong and it'll be very elaborate and uh, lots of stuff will be set in there but i'm i'm kind of suspicious about the extent of of filming inside of caves
0: okay let me throw out something else at you, at you here to get your reaction to this um it's been suggested that the others were created by a faction of the children rather than that the, all the children were like yeah let's do this doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make sense. The entire race would be humans united.
1: Didn't make nuclear weapons, right? A few <laughs> yeah. humans did, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so in in Game of Thrones proper, there's not that many children. You don't have an opportunity for differing takes. But in this setting, you might have different factions of may Maybe even different like sub races. Uh, there's a there's a, some lore that says that way up here, there's these forests of the uh, the people of the the Eva Kevron who.
2: I say Ithikevron.
0: Ithikevron. I don't know how to say that. Who knows I how to pronounce to that word? I do had say how I
2: say it. We can say it all our ways, but <laughs> I've never really heard you say it, maybe.
0: But, but the idea is that they're, maybe they, they're they described, ancient legend describes them as being kind of like the children of the forest. And if there was this land bridge, then they may be cousins of the children or ancient descendants. They would have, you know, 10,000 years of yeah. growing apart, would there be some differences? So they have, We we can hope for... A great expansion of this culture of the children of the forest, where they don't just have this monolithic view of humanity. Where some of them are like, "Let's kill the humans," or some of them are like, "No, let's work with them." We might have fantasy races in conflict, kind of like we see in uh, Mar- some of the Marvel movies have done that pretty well. You know, um, yeah,
1: the dwarves and elves didn't necessarily get along. Well get along, Lord, Lord, of the the Lord, Lord of the Rings. Yeah,
0: so it's that kind of thing. So we we have uh, maybe the potential for different races trying to get along in a way that's goes farther than the kind of problems that happen in the real world where human races are the very small biological differences and they still have trouble getting along. Whereas yeah. these are massive biological differences. <laughs> they're not even, they're not even, but apparently they can breed with each other though. There's, there's an old theory that the Kranich men are a combination of children of the forest and human because they have, they're so small, they're so close to nature, but it doesn't have, I mean, it's just a theory, but that's something they could get into here as well.
2: I think the, the tales of of the Ibanez people mating with humans are interesting examples of that too.
0: I I love that you brought up Ib because that's a culture that probably existed this far back.
2: Yeah, I don't think they're they going to show emperors. Ib, though. They're they're not such a visually appealing people. Yeah, and they're really far like as far out and north. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, they're sort of Neanderthalish. Yeah, I, of, I don't in think that they're, that they're, like they're like a different yeah. human species kind
1: of. I, I tell you, this is kind of connected all this stuff for Sam, but what I sort of expect from a big picture perspective of the story that will be presented is this conflict of cultures mm-hmm. of, we'll say... Remember
0: the, the, the heart trees and the, like...
1: Yeah, I'm going to say, say that the, uh, um, the the children of the forest, the, the, the races that exist here already, are going to be maybe more like indigenous Americans. Yes. Right? They're yes. going to be living off the land, living in caves... You know, minimal ambition, minimal excavation of resources. Yeah, humans are going to show up and chop down trees and build castles, and you're like, "That's not your land. You don't. You can't do that with that land." You know, and that'll that'll be. I kind of expect the central conflict of what's happening. Now, I don't know how quick they can give us the background of these cultures to enter this conflict, um, and it doesn't mean there can't already be conflicts. It's not like all the Native Americans were all getting along peacefully when no, the Europeans not showed up in the and, first and, place. And they had, and their
0: they own had wars. very different cultures. Exactly. They so, weren't all just
1: Indians. Yeah. And all, <laughs> the humans that, all the humans, all the Europeans that showed up had differences in cultures yeah. and stuff, too. Um,
0: less so in that the ones who were showing up were kind of all single-minded about conquering. But but back home, yes. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: Uh, and especially as time went on, because some of them were less considered. Less concerned about conquering, you just say uh, getting religious independence or whatever. Yeah, you know? or
0: getting wealthy. Now that someone else already
1: <laughs> conquered the land for them, you know.
0: It's different. Yeah, different yeah. game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's a lot of fertile ground there for varieties of cultures and culture clashes. And here's a related question from uh, Richard Seymour What institutions were around 5,000 years ago? Because institutions can impact like these cultural connections and, and sometimes bridge gaps, sometimes make the gaps larger. He asked Maesters, Church of the Seven, Pyromancers, what else? Okay, let's go through those specific uh, examples and then throw out a few more. Maesters, yes. Supposedly, oh, really? yes, which is kind of a surprise, because they didn't even have writing. Or did they? And it was later lost.
2: Which is where we get into, you, you saw that we mentioned Old
0: Town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That so, it would still exist. Supposedly, learned men had been gathering there for thousands of years, even prior to it being called the Citadel. It's not really known when they started calling it the Citadel, but the fact that learned people were gathering there made yeah, sense. the
2: Cita- And the, the Citadel reference was originally more of the fact that it was a fortress type area.
0: Yeah.
1: I like the idea. I hope that there is writing, but it's has revered. You know, people who can read are like magical,
0: you know, yeah. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, yeah. Uh, he, so Church of the Seven? No. There's no Church of the Seven. Even in Andalos, I don't think it existed yet. Um, it may have. They may decide to play with that and have it exist, but it shouldn't exist. They only had six. Given book time. <laughs> Church of the Six. <laughs> given book time, book canon, it shouldn't exist. The Pyromancers quite possibly did exist. Um, they're a really ancient guild, but we don't know how ancient. Uh, but pretty darn ancient. You're at least seven years old. There could be other institutions outside of Westeros, a, a, a culture that, because of the, the presence of, of several POC actresses and actresses, we guess that the Summer Islands could be part of it, but another guess is the Royn. The Rhoyne are, are were very advanced culture, a, a person of color culture, so that would fit really well, that were sort of like the ancient Egyptians. So I've always, I've liked to say, because we did a series on, well, it's not finished yet. Two out of three episodes are done of, on Nymeria, and they're, they're the Roynar. And I just, the more I studied the Roynar, the more I was like, man, if you were to pick any time and place to live in the entire history of Planetos, you would pick ro- the Roin. You would want to live among the Roinar before the Valyrians came along and before the For Long me, Night. me,
2: I-, I said Roinar or Sarnor. Sarnor would be good
0: they're too. They're very yeah. similar
2: cultures to me and Sarnor is even farther back but they have like the it, great library and it's like true. very similar like fantastical like just party cities. Yeah. The Did they have air
1: conditioning? <laughs>
2: No, well, but the Rhoynar live along so, the sea and the river. Like, the, for example, in Sarnor, there's Solosh by the Silver Shore, which has mm. these great libraries that were burned, you know, all of a library the library of Alex-X Alexandria. But I would live <laughs> during a period of peace
0: for yeah. both. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't pick during the Dithraki invasions. Yeah, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so uh, other examples, there wouldn't be the Faceless Men, there wouldn't be the Iron Bank, there wouldn't be Valyria... Uh, those aren't exactly yeah. institutions. Some of those are, but
2: we got a, an interesting uh, comment uh, that people brought up. You know, they were generally wondering wondering about wherewoods and whether we would see if wherewoods extended further out or they what should. happened there. They should be and,
0: all over Westeros. And,
2: and, 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 and well, not just Westeros, but people were wondering wondering about how far it extended into Esso if they were the, connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with because that, the land bridge. great question. Uh, people like Shot were saying you were bringing up the shade of the evening trees. Um, that they make Shade of the Evening from. And obviously that's black bark with blue leaves versus white bark and red leaves. We've talked about this extensively in our Weirwood episodes and other episodes. But it's interesting. It's worth mentioning, I suppose. I don't think we have an answer and I don't really think the show's going to get into that. But maybe there is, maybe they will get into the corrupting nature of everything because we talk about like the description talks there's about a, how it gets dark.
0: There's a theory that the, the, the shade of the evening tree is a cor- were corrupted werewoods from long ago. Oh. they're so yeah. far to the east that it, that's a part of it that's a stretch because you know it didn't yeah. that the house of the dying, which was. You know, but if they were connected the at one time, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Or if
2: they, I mean, they could import a number of trees and they'd be corrupted. Plant a tree, yeah.
0: Lemon trees can you can put a lemon tree in bravos in the garden of the wealthy. Why not import <laughs> a, a heart tree from Westeros just to be fancy. You know. <laughs> By the way, that's another entity, the House of Black and White. Yeah, they would they, no, they wouldn't have existed because Bravos didn't even exist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bravos was founded uh, during the I, you during know, Valeria. Valeria
2: was, you know, subjugating people yeah. and, and enslaving
0: them. Ex- Valeria didn't even exist. Then, yeah. But but Slavers Bay, the Giscari did. Grazdan the Great is like a Brandon the Builder figure. And Brandon the Bigger builder comes after the long night or during the long night, or maybe straddles the long night. in the midst of, but Grazdan the great is, uh, the reason he's such a good equivalent character is he is a big founding part of their founding myths, but also similar to Brandon, his name pops up everywhere. Like kids, the like Grazdan is the most popular mm-hmm. name in Gisgari, <laughs> and just like Brandon is the most popular name in Westeros, but it is extremely popular in the North, especially among Starks. And, uh, so it's kind of, it feels similar in that regard. So he seems like an Age of Heroes figure because he's supposed to be the Age of Heroes. And the Long Night is what ends the Age of Heroes. It's like, that's the demarcation line there. So lots of possibilities. So yeah, so most of these, like there wasn't even knighthood. There wasn't, without the Faith of the Seven, you don't have knighthood. Without, um, yeah, without, uh, mm. so it's really neat, right? But you do, so the, one of the things we looked at was to try to find out which ancient cultures have a Long Night myth. If they have a long night myth and they probably existed during the original long night, whereas Valyria, we're, we're 99% sure the timeline doesn't support them being around then. Like and they don't example, have long night just, myths. Like
2: we've got the patrimony of Hyrkoon.
0: Yeah, and that's that does fit, you know, because Hirkun the hero is one of the figures named as as uh, doing that. So you have, does, does that make your head spin?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you one thing I'm thinking about a minor tangent, but uh, it's possible that some cultures adopted other cultures' myths. Yeah. And maybe they weren't yeah. part of the Long Night or didn't have a hero, but they still took on the story or got absorbed into the culture. Like The, the first the, man
0: adopted the religion of the children eventually. The
1: Danielle, yeah. And the A. Bellelli podcast we're to about the, the conquest of Mexico. Yeah. About how it seems like maybe after the fact, they changed some of the stories to be more Christian. They changed origin. the religion yeah.
0: to make it fit to back. Yeah. To retrofit retrofits yeah. some elements to make it all. Yeah. Like, like, we even see that in uh, Fire and Blood. There was an attempt by the Ironborn to make the drowned god one of the aspects of the seven, it didn't work, yeah. But mm-hmm. they tried to like kind of merge that a little bit, and it's a historical thing that does happen. You're yeah. right, that's a good, great, great call. You
2: know? One of the things I'm wondering I mean, we, we were talking about like Azor, Ahai type figures. Um, we were mentioning some of them, there isn't any that seems as, like, like it would be likely to be from the Summer Isles, which if we're wondering how much they're involved in things, uh, that's interesting to me on its own. But some of the other ones that they mentioned, like Yintar and Nefarian, we were... I mean, I've been... I don't know. I'm doubtful that we'll see up in Nefer and up in that area. But again, if we're talking about like long, long-term, you know, over seasons, you think about Game of Thrones, probably people who hadn't read the books or you know, or whatever, were just on the first book, I don't think they would have thought about how much it extended and about how much we would see of some of these yeah. places.
0: You might want to, he I mean, might want to give us, they might want to give us the five forts. The five forts were supposedly yeah. built by the Pearl Emperor to fight some demons coming from the east around the time of the Long Night. Which...
2: Yeah, we've had a lot of people mentioning that in our chat, by the way. I mean, yeah. I myself and am a big proponent. I, I don't like to say I'm into with theories, but with this ancient stuff, I do think there's, uh, I don't know some fun things to theorize about, and very I, I much. think there has to be great significance to the Five Forts being another hinge of the world. Yeah, we've gone on about this in the past already. It,
0: it's it's great because this what we're learning about the show very much supports the possibility of a great empire type setting, uh, given socialites and Dark Ages co- incoming, and you know for it to be if you. It's a more epic collapse if it's a fall from higher heights, yeah. right? It just, and that's, the they like to go so from if
1: They can't even read, though.
0: Yeah. there's a limit on how big they society might, they can't read. It's a good point. Be. Maybe they can read, like, maybe writing was lost. They may find a way to explain that, yeah. you know. Uh, it's unclear, but that's a, you, you make a good point for sure. Um, I mean,
2: there's, there's variance on, like, reading, like, yeah. to the extent that Westeros can now and, you know, being able to communicate in a written way. Yeah,
1: yeah. Being able to send a letter is different from writing a novel. Yeah. yeah
2: yes, exactly. Things like that. Um, and being able to scratch some marks on a page that signifies this is my name is different than writing a letter. Yes. Yeah. That's um, also
0: very true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, from Stephen Stark, by the way, thanks for the recommendation. Beltaloda. Yeah, so any of y'all haven't checked out The Expanse yet, that's what that's a reference to. I highly recommend it. Very excellent book and show. Uh, there's eight books, in fact. Uh, from Nymeria Pow. I'm sorry, I showed a blade. Did anyone ask if we would find out about the Black Oily Stone? Well, we didn't address that directly in this episode, but Yeen... Should be a thing around this time, possibly. A shy, almost certainly is whether the story will go that far east. On one hand, it's really far east. On the other hand,
2: it's really close to the Summer Isles.
0: It's really close. Yeah. On the other hand, Game of Thrones didn't really play to the distances the way they sh- maybe quote unquote should have. So mm-hmm. if they were willing to play with distance there, then they might be willing to play with distance here mm-hmm. as well. So it
2: makes me wonder if we'll see Nath. Yeah, yeah right?
0: Name. Nath has... Yep, I wonder about that. And the toadstone on the... Uh, yeah, isle, I, on the, I would the, uh, love
2: to see the toadstone. The toadstone would be amazing. You the can toad- see that if, you, if you're if you watching the video. Oh, wait. Aziz's microphone barely covers it. <sighs> the toadstone. It's on your that side. Oh, yeah,
0: it's down here. Yeah, it's right
2: the there. It's right next to me as a blonde. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but... Someone else points out, by the way, of course, the children of the forest read and wrote in runes and carved that into rocks. They could teach the humans. Maybe that there could mm. be a period of time where, where I don't think that? that's
0: what the children of the forest did. That was the first man that did those runes.
2: Oh, you're right. I think I don't think well, the children
0: had their own runes.
2: Yeah, I guess because they can right. they
0: communicate a different way. I think I think is you, that right? You don't develop telepathy. You don't develop writing when you can communicate these other ways. I think it's like well. A, I,
2: I guess maybe that's true. I movie. was kind of thinking about like the idea of this. Like it was. Children of the Forest who did this to the Night King and then he was using these symbols I, I, so like I kind of associated mm. those symbols with the Children of the Forest like the Children of the Forest I don't know
0: okay well symbols yeah. yeah I guess if they're symbols that's not I guess that's kind of like hieroglyphs it's, it's yeah, not it's yeah. similar to writing yeah, okay. Uh, I, I was know. I was really thinking about like literature. You're right though. If they just I mean because we know they drew that they we, did the we faces. do know it does they it do does do faces say yeah, arteries. they
2: often sing in their language, the true tongue. So like they mm-hmm. sing and like Singing, yeah. they sing, so it seems like they'll have uh, they have other ways to communicate beyond through where would, you know, networks.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, that is interesting. It does it does have- it does
2: say, however, the children had no books, no ink, no parchment and no written language.
0: So but, but, yeah, that's, but carvings they did have. Yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. Carvings can, I, I, I doubt they will not give us carvings because it's just such a cool, mysterious thing to do. Be like, ooh, carvings, yeah. ancient carvings. So it's just, it's so visually awesome to have carvings. So I bet they'll do that. <laughs> and even if they're not carvings from the children. And we we, and we saw that. We saw the carvings, like you said, you brought up at the beginning of the episode, the Dragon Glass cave, that carvings in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll probably see... I imagine that circle was we, we get a nod to that scene in, yeah. in this show if it gets picked up. We still have to get there, that disclaimer if it gets picked up. It's still only a pilot at this point. I'm then- just
2: picturing like the big one of the big logos for it just being like that the fucking swirl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just the mystery. Thing. It'll drive so many people crazy. They think about how many videos people release. Like I cracked it.
1: <laughs> I figured
0: it out. so one person we didn't talk about we talked about all these actors and actresses we didn't actually talk about the casting director which is pretty important because if you have a good casting director which they had for Game of Thrones that just really good things happen in this case we have Lucinda Sison who has a long history going back to 1995 she was casting director for The Fifth Element she also was casting director for Snatch Ali G into house and kick ass mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. back around again. She was casting director for Troy, which is a, a which is interesting because that was written by uh, one of Dave and Dan. I forget which uh, also for Alexander, the first of these that I didn't like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I really it's the one I wanted to like the most because I love Alexander the Great History, but that was not it wasn't bad because of the casting, though.
2: Yeah, it was not it was good. Just, it,
0: it, the casting wasn't great, but the movie just wasn't good in general. But Troy was cast well, and Kick-Ass was cast well, and Ali G the House was cast well, and Snatch was cast really well. X-Men First Class, Dark Knight. She yeah. was the UK caster for the Dark Knight. She did Wonder Woman, and she's doing Wonder Woman 1984. So the sequel, she did Blade Runner 2049. She did Cloud Atlas. She did Edge of Tomorrow. She did V for Vendetta. She did The Mummy. She did Hercules. She did Legend. Oh, that's a broad, <laughs>
1: broad variety So you got fantastical time.
0: stuff like The Mummy, Hercules, and Legend. Yeah, like you said, it's just a... Any of those stand out to you as like Sci-fi, particularly well
1: cast? Yeah.
2: None uh, of those stand out for me as being something that like launched people's careers.
1: Fifth
0: Element. Fifth mm-hmm. Element okay.
2: did a
1: lot for uh. Mila Chris jo- Tucker and okay. Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's true. Anyways,
2: that's true. that that's what I was thinking about immediately. Is uh, how good are they at sussing out who's gonna be good in the long haul? Who's gonna be trained up well? You know. Yeah.
0: Brad Pitt's casting in Snatch was awesome. Like that was a surprise, and the kind of character he was playing oh, was she a cast huge him twice, surprise. Then. Who was who? Who, who else?
2: Troy. Troy. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: right? uh, he was a fine Achilles, I thought too. I, I was happy with him as Achilles, and I thought Hector was. A, uh, Eric Bannon was a great Hector too. So I'd give I her Blade a Runner
1: list. was cast very well, also. By the way, it didn't necessarily hit the base that Shea is talking about, but I think that. Uh, so this list, yeah. So this
0: list gives me confidence. Like, yeah. you know, Brendan Fraser is awesome in The Mummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, the yeah. V for Vendetta.
1: Um, what's his face? Uh, Tim Curry and Legend. That's like, who would see that? And once it's done, it's perfect. You know. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I, I think this is a very uh, optimistic list here from what she's done. So I like that a lot. Give her some credit. Hopefully, it works out well. Um, She's going to have the resources. Presumably, the show is (laughs) well-funded. So, (laughs) uh, Well, I think we're getting close to the end here. We still have to do our drawing, our uh, Shire Post drawing. And if there's any other questions we missed or topics we didn't get to, we'll certainly circle back to talk about the show again in three to six months whenever more news builds up, whenever we have enough to do another podcast on. It'll be a a perfect live stream topic whenever that comes. And we'll we'll certainly have more ideas, more cat, like, yeah, thinking this through is going to lead to some more conclusions, I think. More kind of like, oh, well, if it's this timeline with this and that, then they have to, surely y'all out there will give us more ideas as well. It won't just be us. We didn't even talk about the blood betrayal, Uh, the the thing that caused the Long Night, according to the World of Ice and Fire, which was, happens in E.T., and it sounds a lot like uh, Euron and Daenerys. So maybe we'll, we'll save that for some other time. Some of y'all have heard us talk about it already. You know, you know and, saying, and
2: also if, if that is the thing that causes the long night, and we're wondering about how they'll stretch this out for a while. The idea is that those are characters that wouldn't be introduced right away, anyways. Oh, yeah,
0: that's true. Or maybe Naomi Watts is uh, playing the uh version of the Amethyst Empress who's God. Uh, I'll be
2: I'll be I'll be so devastated and pissed if E.T. is as white as K. Oh, be. yeah, please don't hmm. do that. I, I really on, hope y'all. that yeah. isn't the case. But I mean, the Amethyst Emperor, I mean you could still have, like, a, some, like, there could be some, like, just, like, yeah. it's a big city, like, there there would be, it wouldn't just all be one race.
0: You can't call it Yi and have a white person. <laughs> yeah,
2: like, the culture, like, you just look at, like, the world of ice and fire, it's, like, abundantly clear in yeah, every picture. pictures. Yeah.
0: They look uh, Chinese. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we know. Uh, but we'll see what they do. Obviously, we're not in charge. We just can hope, and there's uh, a lot of reason for optimism, but, you know, Game of Thrones wasn't perfect either, so there's certainly... Some things won't be what we want. But overall, I think it looks pretty darn good. Pretty, Did I miss any questions? Pretty,
2: pretty, good? Pretty, pretty, pretty,
0: pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. So, yes. Uh, I'm going to start reading off some thanks. Shay, you want to try to figure out who this winner is while I start reading our thank yous? Well,
2: I had one question about this. Um, I was thinking I would... Uh, play our intro outro and mute this and I can show you
0: this real quick. Well, I got to read the Patreon credits.
2: Well, I was saying like I'd play it, the intro outro, like as a little like intermission. Okay. Real quick. Well, and mute us. Okay, we could do, do that unless
0: uh, Sean, you could talk. You have something you want to talk about? Well,
2: no, I wanted us to be muted so we could confer silently. Okay.
0: All right. right. Okay. I'm Sorry, okay.
2: yeah, I was unclear.
0: I have nothing to say anyway. Okay. okay, then we have a brief minute while we determine the winner. So y'all sit tight. Well, okay. that is, is, is figured out. Hey, okay, we're back. (laughs) We're here again. So we've got our winner. You got our our winner ready? Oh, Oh, you're drawing Uh it right now. Okay. (laughs) Well, then I will start reading our thanks, and then she will tell us who the winner is. So thank you, first of all, to Ashaya for running production and doing all these other tasks, like determining the winner. Thanks to Michael Klarfeld, not only for the maps and video intro, but for the new music we've been using via Kevin McLeod for Valar ReRead And also thanks to Joey Townsend and Jesse Kowal for our original theme song. Huge thanks to Watchers on the Wall, Vanessa Cole, Samantha, and the rest of y'all, Sue, and David, and all you guys, Luca. So many cool people helping out cover the show. And we definitely do our own research, but a lot of this stuff is easier for us because they've already done so much work. So definitely give them Lots of love, and go to Watchers on the Wall for more news. Are we ready? Yeah.
2: Sure. Uh, we didn't get very many submissions, which is fine, but, uh, you know, you should have submitted if you wanted to win this. I don't know what <laughs> you're doing. You really had really good chances. I can't... We, very few. Uh, so, I randomized it, and our winner was number five, who is... L.A. Young, which is Misty 306. All right.
0: all right. Cool. All right. Well, she will respond to the email and uh, we'll send her the uh, information to cash in that gift. So congratulations, Misty. You are now the proud owner of a $100 gift card to Shire Post Mint. Uh, Real
2: quick, what information? I would say don't spend
0: it all in one place, but you kind of have yeah. to.
2: Well, what information <laughs> do we need from her? Just uh, her... We'll,
0: we'll email okay. her and get that later. We don't have to worry about that now. Um. So, anyway, let's see. I have other thanks to give. Let's do some Patreon credits and say goodbye. We'll hopefully see some of y'all at Valoritus on uh, Sunday, and maybe some more of y'all at uh, on the live stream on Tuesday, as well as confronts of Thrones. Real quick, I just want to point out, I'm watching a show called Dragon Prince. It's really good. It's okay, really good.
1: I'm I think a lot of my my, uh, are my about avatar too. shirt, my avatar. Uh, Cowboy Bebop crossover shirt today in honor of how good Dragon Prince has impressed me. Someone commented on
2: your shirt, by the way, at the beginning oh, of the cool, episode. Cool. They were like, what is Sean's shirt? Is it Avatar? And I was like, yeah, it's Avatar, but it's mashed up with something. And then like as I was typing that, they were like, no, wait, it's Cowboy Bebop. And yeah. I was like, no, it's, it's both. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so thanks to the mysterious BR, Hand of the King. Thanks to Lord Stephen Stark, titles, titles. Hand of Queen Ashaia, known as the best. Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog is Warden of the West and my co-panelist for Death of the Other. That's his brainchild. I'm looking forward to doing that with him. Lord George Stormsville the Cunning is Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Cabeth the Unfrozen, Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light, Defender of the Old Gods and Warden of the North. Lady Kelly McMath of Covington, Lady of the Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. Lord James Tuttle is King of the Stepstones and Narrow Sea, Commander of the Royal Fleet, Consisting of the Narrow Fleet led by flagship Caraxes and the Bloodstone Fleet led by flagship Prince Damon, he yearns for the days of this of the, when the Stepstones were whole, uh, because that would have been an easier to, sea to control. This huge sea that connects everything together—it's just such a headache for one pirate lord to control. King beyond the Wall, Sidney Jesse is the Fallborn Lord of Blue Spring and the Haunted Forest, wields a dagger of Dragonglass and the Valyrian steel blade Red Frost. He too yearns for these older days where woods were everywhere, and worship of the old gods was more prevalent. If he had it his way, things would go back to that. First, Walker Taneman is wielder of blue sister. He went north of the wall in search of the most refreshing brew, where the mountains are always blue, turned white walker, but still in search for the elusive blue mountains. Can't rest until he completes his quest. Our small council includes Lord Daniel, the sneaky Russian master of ships, Grandmaster Via James, Lord Benjamin of House Hornwood, Master of Laws, Lord Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Greenshield, is Master of Coin, Lord Johan of House Orcos is called Shadowhawk, Master of Whispers. Lady Dialis of Castle Nocky is the Alpha Patron, Lord Dan of the Red Mountains, Castle Great Bell, is Breaker of the Second Stone, Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Breadfort, most delicious Lord. <laughs> Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass, Ashlyn Winter is the Hawks Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance. The Lord of the Halls of Castle Hillcrest is wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everglazed. Lord Alistair Whitaker is Lord of the Donhold. Lord Bemi Snugglebunny is Guardian Ranger of the hidden hundred acre Werewood, Dual Wielder of Valerian Short Swords, Glorious Morning, and Little Lightwise and Sharpshooter of the Werewood and Ironwood, Laminated Longbow, Todd Von Oben. When you fear things cannot get worse, Snugglebunny and Snuggle, en- Snuggle, <laughs> Snuggle Bunny enters the fray. The bastard of the Wolf's Wood is first forster of the old gods, sworn to house iron werewood. Listen for the silence. Lady Leanna Kelly of Wolf Island is protectors of Steelhold. Casey Stark is of House Acres. Lady Kay of House Archer is Lady of Earthdog Hall, Huntress of the Wolfswood, and guardian of Maddie Squirrel's Squirrelsbane the Mighty Direweenie. Lady Rewynne of House Dilsdane is the Starspear. Petey, Petey? No, Peter Rivers is the pale dragon and heir to Bloodraven. And Sir Matthew is of the House Pabonius. Our first sword is Jeff Gnarly Longsnapper. Oh, I made his name twice. All right, good for you, you get twice. <laughs> King's Justice, Sir Troy the Steady, is wielder of the Valyrian steel blade, Fate.
2: And the Queen's High Council has Bloody Ben Blackwood, Master of Whispers, Rebea Star-Eyes, Lady of Waves, and Mistress of Ships, Captain of the Iron Shadowcat, in the shadows we bear our claws. Catherine the Wise of House Trondheim, Master of Coin, Grand Maester Elizabeth, Middle Daughter of Lyanna Mormont, First Lady to Forge both the Silver and Valyrian stealing and finally... Laura Boros, the Lady of Infinity, Master of Laws.
0: Right on. Our Kingsguard is led by Lord Commander Miriam R, backed up by Sir Dolores D, Longest Tenured White Sword, Sir Dean the White, Knight of the Black Star, Sir George of House Pepsi, the Beverage Knight, Gregor Snow called Snow Bear, a Bastard not, of Winterfell.
2: He's not Sir Marijuana of House Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> that, was a new, that was a news story that went around recently, Dr. I Marijuana saw that. Pepsi.
0: Yep, there's a woman named Dr. Marijuana Pepsi who wrote an, uh, wrote a, just her dissertation on... Um,
2: how, unusual names. Unusual
0: names and how academia treats people with unusual names. <laughs> <laughs> her real name is Dr. Marijuana Pepsi. That is a real name.
1: Well, the doctor part's not of her name. She is now a doctor. Well, she is right? now she a PhD. She completed
0: her dissertation on yeah. that. You can
1: imagine it. that doctor might actually be someone's real name. but In this case,
0: <laughs> she's just an actual doctor. Yes. So
2: anyway, Sir George,
0: though. <laughs> yeah, so Sir George of House Pepsi is is the beverage night, yes. Gregor Snow called Snow Bear is the Bastard of Winterfell. Uh, Sir Glennon of House Leanne is called Lion Cloak, and Sir Jen Seaworth is Knight of the Southern Snows.
2: My Queen's Guard is led by Lord Captain Commander Hema Heldman, the Self Sword Sentinel. It has Alexander of House Atreides from the Seat of Dune. I must not fear, fear is the mind killer. Becca the Bard, Songbird of the North. Michonne the Melodious, Star of Old Town, Minds Over Masters. Sir Rambo, Knight of House Gannon, First Blood. Sir Leon of House Walker, wielder of the Twin Valyrian blades, Fire and Ice, and the Werewood Bow, Rain, and Amber the Adamant, the Knight of the Mist and Mother of Squids.
1: All right, my beard guard, we have Lord Commander George the Golden, Sir Joshua Oakheart, the White Oak, Lady Rita of the Coppermane, the Unbound, Dance the Fervor. Hi, Rita. Sir Joff, Warden of the AC, wielder of Triad, multi multifaceted beard of platinum red and brown stay frosty and sir tim cargoyle mad boy of the western desert
0: right on a couple more names such as our history of westeros's Night's watch which is led by lord commander Benjen Umber, the silent giant wielder of the valyrian steel greatsword winter's kiss first builder Megor snow aka Megor the cool the fire in the snow First Steward, Sir Jurion of the Torrentine called Palewind, and First Ranger, Sir Source Delica of House Gramercy. You can get a cool nickname like this, along with other benefits, including bonus episodes, early access to scripted episodes, uh, voting in polls to determine what episode is next, things like that. You can join in by going to patreon.com slash history of Westeros and selecting the level that fits you best. And that is it for today. Thank you for everyone for showing up. Thank you for the support, financial or otherwise. Liking and subscribing is highly valuable. You would be surprised perhaps at how much it helps. And of course, we rely most of all on word of mouth. So if you like our show, please tell your friends. And we'll see you all soon. Until next time, Valari Reritas.